This is episode 6 of Quarantine Chronicles. The reason I sound so down is because I finally had a really good intro that Jason just... Jason just Super ruined it. Sabotaged unintentionally. Just, just, when's the last time that, that we did a podcast together where we didn't have to re-record the intro? Uh, you know, I think it was back in the before times. The, is, that, is that what we're calling whenever we whenever we did these in person? The that was times? that's what we're calling uh, twenty eighteen. Yeah, no, before we yeah before we started doing these remotely. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so February, February, March. I guess March was the last one we did, like mid March. Yeah. Well, Damn. I'm your host, Kevin. To my virtual left, Jason, the fun runner. Yep, that's me. And then to my virtual right, we got uh, Angel. What's up? What's up, Angel? You just built a brand new computer. I did, I did. How's and, this? How's this new life? Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, I mean, I've had PCs before, so I'm not like a stranger to like, whoa, I'm going from a Mac to a PC. But it it was both harder and easier than I expected. I will definitely say that. But the fact that I get to like just tailor make it to exactly what I want was it's just really really great which I wanted to tailor tailor towards animation and gaming basically like the two favorite things and like nothing against like Apple or other computers but just like I mean I guess if you do want to do something in particular like some people want to go more into like level design or play certain types of games like it is nice that you actually have this option which you know, I, I I used to have the mentality of like I don't really want to think about that stuff. I just want to buy one unit and then just have it work, which Apple satisfies perfectly. But now that I started getting into the weeds of this, um, I really have come to appreciate this. And anyone that actually built their PC, like for one thing, first I had the mentality of like, oh wow, getting the parts isn't that bad. I mean, I obviously had Kevin and another friend Victor helping out tremendously. They got they they guided me towards like some sites to check out, and I read a couple articles on what you would need to have a good um, PC for gaming and specifically animation. I kind of definitely prioritized animation and, you know, I picked out the chipsets. I got the motherboard, the CPU, and then I put it on this website called PC picker.com. PC part picker. PC part picker. Yes. And it tells you if everything is compatible with each other, which is really, really convenient because I mean, I, I'm sure it happens before someone doesn't use that. They might buy a motherboard that isn't compatible with their CPU or something like that, which I imagine being a pain, especially right now, because the last thing I wanted was to go and have to return something and then just wait that much longer for it to ship back or having to go in person. It's just glad everything worked out in that sense. Yeah, getting something to... dead on arrival kind of sucks. I've had it happen before with some SSDs. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, at least SSD... It's like a smaller component, so at least yeah, true. that. But damn, like, and then so picking out everything, and I guess like building it virtually was I thought easier than I expected. I thought it was going to be a lot tougher. I mean, also I already had prior animators pretty much telling me which would be good to get and which wouldn't be. So there's that. But then putting it together was kind of like building like big Legos, except. Without, like, the help of Kevin. Because for some reason, a lot of my parts didn't come with instructions. Some of them had instructions on a disc, which I don't have anything that could run a disc. And some of them, yeah, just straight up didn't. So Kevin was kind enough to, like, grab, like, a... 
I guess like the blueprints of the motherboard and it pretty much tells you exactly where everything goes. So I was kind of looking at his screen through my phone as he was guiding me to, all right, grab like this tiny little cable and put this like in this little spot over here. And these things, you're literally connecting tiny like one pin cubes to like needles. Sometimes four like cube little sockets to four needles. Like it's, it's kind of nuts how intricate it is. And I could definitely see why some people like really take their time on this part and why there's also a lot of room for error because mm-hmm. after we put everything together we had that magical moment where they powered it on for the first time and we're like all right cool it turned on i see everything spinning but then there was no image on the tv i was connected to at the time and we turned it off turned it on took out oh and yeah and we got a little light telling us that it was it had something to do with the graphics card or the video card so you know we unplugged that plugged it back in Nothing. Plugged it to the other slot. Nothing. And I was, and at that point, I think it was close to midnight. And I was just like, oh, I'll just worry about this in the morning. But I just Googled it and I found a Reddit post. Pretty much a lot of people were encountering this issue. And I guess what I had to do was remove the graphics card, turn on the computer, let the computer run its own boot up software, and then pretty much check itself to the point where it realizes the graphics card is not there and then give me that same error I was getting before. And then I have to turn it off, put the graphic card back in, and for some reason that fixed it, and I never had that issue again. That's so, such a weird. That's such a weird problem. Uh, I've never heard of that being the issue where you just have to have to uh, use the on motherboard graphics, and then and then use your uh, use your graphics card to to fix the issue. Hmm. Yeah, it's it was definitely scary because you know, like at that moment, it's like, oh god, is it really the graphics card? Do I have to return this? Is it the motherboard? Like we had no way of knowing except for like um, you suggested the next day you bring a, I think it was a graphics card that you knew worked. Yeah. That way, if it didn't work, then we would know it was the motherboard. But thankfully, it worked and it turned on, and then I had to create like a little like flash drive where I could put Windows in so that I could boot it up, and. I thought that was going to be... I thought, like, I was done. But literally, I know that I was just, like, halfway through. Because now that you have the computer built up, you screwed everything back on. And let me tell you, I had to, like, unscrew and rescrew. I think, the the power supply compartment a few times. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of work you have to redo. What was that? Although it's not as... Um, because I forgot. Remember, we had to plug in um, an extra CPU cable? Mm-hmm. So I, so I had to, like, unscrew everything and then take it back out and then put it back in. Like not not that oh, bad. Oh, that, that's but, right. Yeah, not that bad. But I've heard worse stories from other people where like it just wasn't turning on, and they literally started over from scratch because they literally had no indication of what was not working. But once I got it all plugged in and everything, um, my other friend Victor he walked me through getting all the drivers, which is nuts. Like, <laughs> I, if I didn't know any better, I would have just been like. Like, if I didn't have these two guys, I would have just, like, turned it on and just been like, all right, cool, I'm ready to go. But, nope, like, I downloaded drivers for the motherboard, for the graphics card. Like, we went through so many settings. Like, we booted up in, like, I guess it was, like, into the motherboard software and not Oh, the Windows, BIOS. So, the BIOS, yeah. Yeah, the BIOS. So, and we tweaked so many things. We limited, like, when it's running this, the power, it's only getting this much voltage for, like, every single tiny little thing. Like it was, it was literally mind blowing just how, like, meticulously customizable every computer is. Like you can literally control like 
just how much power everything is getting, when everything turns on, how much like resources are allocated to it. It's it's crazy, and that took probably as long, if not a little longer, than building the actual computer. But once all that was done, then I had to register my products, you know, to get that warranty. So then there was all that, and then when that was done. I finally got to install some games because, you know, like the first thing I want to do is make sure is that I can actually run stuff. I and have, I have a question oh boy, for you. Can you run uh-huh. stuff? Two questions for you before you get to the software side. Question number one, how many flashy neon colorful RGB little things are on there? Like how, how intensive a rainbow is it when you walk into your room now or is it not at all? Because isn't that like a signature thing of gaming PCs is all those colors so everywhere? So yeah, there, there were definitely an, uh, a lot of RGB options. Um, mine's is I barely picked anything mm-hmm. that lights up. So I only have like the fan that lights up because that's just how it is. And the graphics card, the name lights up. So it's pretty tame. I mean, my mouse, I guess, lights up just because I did have a wireless mouse initially, like a Logitech Master. It was kind of ergonomic because mm-hmm. I use that at work and it's great. But for whatever reason, and at first I thought it was because I had my my computer is actually behind my desk. Like it has plenty of space on both sides to breathe, but I can't see it at all. It's like it's invisible for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. So there was also no reason to invest in getting a lot of lights. No flashy do... keyboard, no flashy mouse, no. Well, my keyboard is a mechanical keyboard that I ordered a couple months ago that I did get knowing that I was going to eventually get a PC, ah. but nothing too crazy. But I also, I'm like, I protest price and power. So if I could cut anything, it would be that. Mm-hmm. So like my keyboard, it does have flashing lights and pulsates in different patterns, but it's only white. Hmm. But my gotcha. mouse, I guess because it is a, whatever the heck this is, a Corsair, um, I do have a pulsate from green to orange, like... Ninja Turtles. All the time. Yeah, basically just Michelangelo. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I might, like, switch at something. But as I was saying, I had a wireless mouse that was working perfectly when I was gaming and doing other things. But anytime I would use Maya, for whatever reason, the mouse just started, like, having a bunch of, like, frequency issues, so... It just wouldn't move, or it would start, like, spazzing out all over the place. Only when using Maya, which, as you know, it's, like, the top-of-the-line animation software, the most important software that I'd be using. And that was kind of a bummer, and I even tried moving it closer, and it did seem to resolve the issue, but I didn't want to have to deal with the fact that I would have to have the PC so close to the mouse in order for it to just work, especially where I'm going to keep it. Because then that would require me to have a lot of cables extended to their max. Right, right. And so I ended up just going with a wired mouse that, you know, now works perfectly fine. It has the same buttons and same interface. It's just not as comfy because it's not ergonomic, but, you know, it's still a good mouse. I mean, it's comfortable enough as mice go. But, yeah, that's, that's definitely, definitely intense. But, yeah, no lights. If you want to see crazy lights... Dang, you should look at Kevin's. Like, he yeah, I was about to say, face. Kevin, do you have crazy lights? Because I imagine you. I imagine you're all about that gamer PC aesthetic. So, so interestingly enough, yeah. So I was trying to get a job at this one company. This uh, they're called NZXT. They have a PC building site in the city of industry, and I was trying mm. to get a and like I was trying to get a job there. So my PC was decked out in in nothing but lights anything that's nzxt that can light up is in my in my pc (laughs) so it's just constantly christmas in your room no not anymore because i realize that's a very very 
how, how can I say this? It's like it's not worth anything. It's not like like the RGB is going to speed up my computer by five yeah, percent. The decals on yeah, a car, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's essentially what they are. Yeah, they're flame decals on a car. And so now I'm actually, like, I don't even look at my PC. It's on the side of my desk where that's, like, covered in monitors and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I don't even see the internals of it. So I just have all the lights off. It's it's It was almost like a waste of money because <laughs> because now I instead of, like, looks, and obviously because I'm not trying to get a job at NZXT anymore, Mm-hmm. I am trying to find cases and parts that will actually make my PC a little cooler and a little quieter than what I have right now. So, yeah, before I was very much like, oh, yeah, I want all the lights. I want this and that. I want all oh, my lights like to to uh, to switch between the cyberpunk colors and stuff like that. And, like, right. when I do, it looks really cool. Like, when I have my lights synced to like a like a scion neon blue and a, a deep purple it looks really cool but right. i don't even look at it anymore so now i'm just trying to get rid of all these pieces <laughs> I, yeah, I was honestly I... thinking about uh about like buying all the new stuff so i could have a quieter and cooler pc like like a temperature wise cooler mm-hmm. and then selling everything else for like a bundle on offer up where it's just like a hundred bucks here, you get all this stuff that cost me over five hundred dollars. Just take it, <laughs> just to get rid it's, of it. It's just like the amiibo again. Where you're like, I spent all this money on these. Here, someone just take them, please. <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah, I I don't. I'm gonna be honest. I never quite fully got or understood. Like I know why people like the the gamer aesthetic of like like even that new uh, chair that Logitech and uh, whatchamacallit Harmon whatever Miller. made yeah made together. Like I'm like that looks very ergonomic, but I don't know why it has like. DNA strand patterns on the back. Like I don't get the gamer set. Like I, I'm generally more minimalist. I think that's partly why I like you know like the Apple look of things. But like you know like I think the like I like the Xbox Series X design more than I like the PS5 design, for example. Like I think that's more minimalist and could just kind of be wherever. I've always been that way. So like whenever I see the flashing lights, I'm like like ah, they're showing off what they built. They, it's like an achievement. It has like a cool like look at this. But it's like I don't. I wouldn't want like if my mac keyboard every time i was typing had like a pulsating blue thing like in the top left corner of it it would drive me mad and i know you could like turn it off when you're using it but i don't know i just i just like the simpler the one light i will make the exception for being an apple fanboy two of them one is the glowing light on the lid of a mac because it doesn't really you don't see it directly back when they still did that and the other is the wii disc slot that blue glow i always thought really cool because again it was very minimal it was like one streak while like I feel like a lot of the PCs are very how many colors can I show at once and in what elaborate pattern where it looks like it's about to take flight and go into outer space or something. But I mean, no, that's just yeah, my personal absolutely. opinion. But uh, I mean, well, I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, like you, like I wouldn't. I mean, I didn't do it myself. I do love seeing them. Like I, I don't know, I, I do think they look really cool. Yeah, I but, think it's uh, like I thought my brother. Um, I thought like Kevin's. They reminded me of um, kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese. Like there's like this some um, game. Okay, dude. Where it, 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 it it's like a half sphere. And it has like a bunch of like tubes and lights all over it, like it's like pulsating, like it's like literally what it looks like. Yeah, but... and it's one of those things. Like I think, I think honestly, like I, if they're like an art, it's like if there's an exhibit in a museum of like crazy computers, or there's like a display at E3 or like at Comic Con or whatever. Like I would happily go look at those and be like, that's wild. But I could never in a million years picture it in my house, like ever. <laughs> it's just too intense. Yeah, and that's why I just turn off all the lights, like 
it's, yeah. they're so they're so useless. Yeah, they they can look, especially if you make them sync up to a certain app or something like that. They can look mm-hmm. really cool. I know mm-hmm. I know a lot of uh like like Twitch streamers do like to have their PC within the camera within the the frame of their camera, but I mean I don't mm-hmm. so. Right. It's just it's 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 uh it's it's like when people put underglows on their car like on the the street racing scene you know yeah or like those spinners on top of their rims that spin even when they're stationary back in like two thousand three and just like yeah exactly moving. yeah yeah exactly yeah. um so that was question go... number one oh, I had yeah, for Angel I did have one other one Angel oh. do you think you would have jumped as far into building PCs if you didn't get your feet wet with like your little sort of hobby of replacing people's iPhone and phone screens. Cause I imagine like going from not doing hands-on things to hands-on things would be difficult. But was that like a good stepping stone for like anyone who's looking to do something similar? Would you say that like start with smaller electronics and and bigger parts that are like one, one and done and then move into it? Or do you think uh, it's like you I just mean, dive in? It helped with like the confidence of just like doing it myself or just mm-hmm. like wanting to push for it sooner. Mm-hmm. But I think it was going to happen no matter what, just because I had that other necessity of wanting something to wanting something more powerful that would last longer for animation. Because the laptop is only going to last me so long to animate, and like because it's such a thin laptop, like it gets hot ridiculously fast, even like for recording and other things. So it's like perfect for like short spurts of it. But I I wouldn't want to animate on my MacBook for like hours straight, which is perfect that I have something like this now. But yeah, but like having but replacing iPhone screens and that kind of stuff definitely made it. It made me feel like more like, oh yeah, like I'm down to do that. I'm down to mess with it. Even though like when it was getting intimidating, I was messing with like little, like a, like I was saying, like little needle connections. Like it was intimidating, but the whole time I'm like, I've done harder. Like this is like, I guess that motivation did help. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like I probably like re- like if it, if it wasn't for any of that, I probably would have waited until maybe post COVID times. And until like Kevin or Victor would have been like available to actually come over and like build it with me, mm-hmm. so that probably would have been the biggest difference is me doing it myself versus right, waiting right. to have someone else help me, which that you know definitely helped help me with getting it done sooner. So yeah, but yeah, yeah, like yeah. did interesting. Yeah, give me, that, give me that confidence. But so but you were going to talk software, done, but then I sort of butted in. So yeah, but now that it's done, like you know, um, one of the best things I have going for it right now is I got I cleaned out my Dropbox completely. That way I have all the software or all the the animations that I'm currently working on in that Dropbox. That way, you know, I could just double click them on my PC, work on it at home, save it, go to work where I take my laptop and during my breaks, animate over there on my laptop, then save it and then come back here and continue working. It's It's perfect. And since I was already using Chrome for everything because Safari was having some issues on my specific model of MacBook Pro, which is a common issue with that model, and not to mention um, whatever comes after Mojave, since I've had Mojave now forever. Um, yeah, since I've been using Chrome, like now, like everything is synced up super nicely. It's like it's perfect. It's like I have a ecosystem between my PC, my MacBook, my iPad, and my iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's 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 amazing. So that's been working great. But then you know the games are also important and. Like, the first thing I did was boot up Death Stranding because that came with my... That was a free offer for buying a graphics card from NVIDIA, I guess, or Gigabyte or whichever one it was. And 
yeah, first thing I did was just bump the settings all the way up, and damn, it, it's amazing. Like, I've never been able to do that before. I've always had to do the opposite, just, like, tone the settings down to, like, practically minimum to just off. So I remember, like, playing Portal with, like, the game pretty much barely working. Like, I'd be able to move around just fine, but, like, there were no shadows, there were no textures. And in some cases, I couldn't even see through the portal itself because that was just too much for it to render, which, you know, makes it a game just really hard to see because you're supposed to see where you're going. But, yeah, now that I can bump everything up, like, and the frame rate, it's just, like, it's still a constant 60, which is crazy. Like, which just lets me transition to Death Stranding because that game is, like, super pretty. Like, I just love, like, the landscapes look amazing and damn just the fact that I could run this is just kind of blowing my mind and and I'm sure it's like not even like the peak of it I mean this is a newer game too so that was definitely like my test bed like alright can I run this but um yeah I guess also like as I was just playing Death Stranding it did also kind of reach a point where it's like yep this is definitely a very Kojima game like hmm. I love that this game is cinematic. I mean, I love cinematic games, but right. I guess I I don't think I've played a game in a long time where, like, I'm two hours in, a little over two hours, and I think I've maybe played for 30 minutes total. So, oh, and, yeah. and, not, and not even 30 minutes back to back. So it was like, the game starts, um, cinematic, cinematic, you play for maybe like two minutes, like, to pick up some things and go into a cave. Then you go into another cinematic for, like, another, like, 15 minutes or something. And then you play again for, like, another five minutes. And then it's, like, literally, like, almost, like, a 25-minute cutscene. And then you barely get to move. And then, like, another, like, 20-minute cutscene. It's, like, all cutscenes, basically, right now. That's Kojima free. Yeah, and I was going like, like, every game of his? <laughs> uh, I mean... I feel like the Metal Gears weren't as aggressive with the cutscenes this early on. Wasn't the like, end? Oh, that's true. Is that the end when Metal Gear had yeah, an like, hour the, like, long? Yeah, like, like, like the ending makes sense. Like, I mean, you already fought the final boss. You're just kind of seeing the game just ex- prologue itself. But, yeah, this is like in the beginning. Like, I was telling Kevin, like, two hours versus like 30 minutes of gameplay. So it's like an hour. It's like I literally watched the movie. Like, I don't know why he doesn't just make a movie at this point. Like, he clearly... I mean... He, it's no, yeah, no secret that he's like a film author. Like, I mean, he tweets about movies all the time. Like, I don't know if he just can't or does he genuinely just love the video game medium so much that he has to still make it a game? I think it's the latter because, I mean, he's he's with Sony now. Sony owns a movie studio and he's a big name and a lot of directors respect him. And he works feel... with Del Toro. Like, he could if he wanted to. He just I mean, doesn't. yeah, but that's the thing, yeah, because like, that, that's literally what this game feels like. It feels like... You, you really want you, it felt like he wanted to make this a movie but for some reason wasn't allowed to so he kind of just turned it into a game and I always got the impression that he wanted more often than not I would say like Bo, 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 uh, Bokai or whatever it's called the sun based one on Game Boy was an oh, exception yeah, the sun is in your hand yeah but more often than not I feel like his whole thing is bringing a movie like experience into an interactive form which means it is going to lean more towards movie because it's still a movie like experience yeah because isn't that what happened from like the transition from Metal Gear One to its remake on the GameCube Twin Snakes? I don't know if he had anything to do with this, but like that game got like way more cinematic in the transition. Like yeah. they all the cutscenes, like you know, they kind of just went nuts with it. It was like an action movie. It also got but, a Yoshi in it as yeah, a little Easter egg. But no, I, I think, think I think yeah, like I think 
It's funny because I think Sony themselves, their strategy of how to do like cinematic AAA games like Spider-Man God War, I think they're doing better what Kojima wants to be doing, I guess. is how, I mean, I, granted, this is from an afar point of view. I haven't actually played them. But just like what I've seen of them and heard of the criticisms and the praise, it does feel like he's kind of like, how do I make a game into a, a movie into a game? And so he's like, or how do we make games more like movies? And those are like slightly different angles that result in one being more of an interactive thing and one being what you were describing. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, as far as the actual game goes, like I'm actually, I really am loving it. Like the game revolves around traversal and balance and it's like nothing I've ever played before. Like it's literally the object of the game is don't fall over. Yeah. Like you're just going from point A to point B and you're just figuring out like the most efficient way to get there without trying to fall over. And there is some combat. There are like some sections where you do have to like fight or mainly run away from other enemies. But like the gameplay loop is really fun and it's just really different. Like I like it. It's very soothing. And because of the, like the scenery is just really, really pretty. Like it does feel like you're playing a movie that you're actually like immersing because you're controlling the character and you have like, I guess licensed music playing because I always see like, Sometimes music will just randomly start playing, and you see the name of the, the song and the artist. It's beyond licensed. It's a custom soundtrack. They got all these different bands to make original songs like they would for a movie for the game. Huh. Like big bands, too. Like I mean, uh, yeah. Like, um, I'm blanking out. They played at the Game Awards last churches. year. Churches. Yeah, Churches has a song on there. Bring Me the Horizon has a song on there. They're like pretty big bands in their respective spaces. Damn. But... Yeah, I mean, it's it's really cha- and it's surprisingly more challenging than it seems. Like, you'd think, like, you could just, like, I'm just going to sprint to the other destination. But it's like, nope, you constantly, I mean, at least since I'm playing on the computer, I'm guessing on a controller you'd be using L and R. But you pretty much shift your weight between your left and right side. And if you're starting to fall over in one direction, you press the other one, and then you kind of balance yourself out. But there's obviously a little bit more to that, too. And it's, it's just really fun. And it makes um, the character stand just because... You know, you're controlling him the whole time. You're hearing his thoughts and, like, kind of his comments. He, I don't know if that's what Norman Reedus normally sounds like, but it, I feel like his performance is kind of giving off, like, a like a freaking David Hayter snake impersonation. <laughs> like, it just sounds like he's trying to do his best snake, but I didn't really watch The Walking Dead. I mean, he At does least... have a really gravelly voice. He does? He's uh-huh. a gravelly yeah. guy, yeah. Even when he goes on, like, Conan, he's a gravelly guy, just for their regular interview. Uh, I mean, I guess like what little I've seen of him outside of, I guess like yeah, in those interviews, he seems like a like a chill guy, but yeah, he just sounds like he's just trying to do a snake. But I guess if that's how his how his, how his voice has been, maybe that's why Kojima was <laughs> attracted to him initially. Spe- speaking of Conan, have you come across Conan in the game yet? He's in there. Mm, not yet. Ah, huh. I know he is in there though. But yeah, the game like it's funny because like it takes itself ridiculously serious, but the plot. It's like, it's definitely something like, I, I I could try to like explain some of it, but I feel like it just comes off as like ridiculously, it's very sci-fi, very artsy fartsy, just <laughs> very out there. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just like a very quick premise. It takes place in a world where anytime anyone dies, like their body essentially becomes like a nuke. So they have to dispose of it into an incinerator as soon as possible. Otherwise it's going to create an explosion that will create like a crater which attract these, like, netherworld beings that I'm not really sure what they are yet, but they just, they could kill you and they will, like, create, like, a pool of tar-looking water and will drag you in there. But then if 
you get pulled too much into it, then like an ocean of Bactara appears, and you have to run away from like whales and other monsters, and it's kind of crazy. And in this world, also, it's like a post-apocalyptic U.S. Um, like you're you're pretty much your your goal is to get the U.S. back online and get it like getting the country to be prosperous again, while also saving, I guess, your older sister or some kind of relative. But hmm. there's also these like little um I forget what they're called. Um tardigrades. Um do you know what those are? That's like an actual microscopic I think they're called like sea bears or sea yeah, I think they're called sea bears or water uh, bears. no clue. They're they're little microscopic creatures. Um they're like the smallest creature that I think you could see with your naked eye, but they're like very, very tiny. Mm-hmm. If you Google them, like they look like pills with legs and a circular mouth did your brother do your brother did a little mold of them right is that what he did yeah Yeah. okay yeah now i know what you're talking about oh that's why he did that (laughs) it just just occurred to me i'm like that's a random thing for him to make (laughs) um yeah so these things like they're not microscopic in this world they're like pretty big and i guess you could just see them floating around you could eat them to replenish your health but these nether beings that I mentioned that are kind of invisible and very deadly. Um, I guess people have these babies, but in this world they're called BBs, like BB, because they're not actual babies. They're like, I guess they consider them like a tool or like an appliance, even though it's literally like a baby and a fetus in a jar. I'm sure everyone has seen it that has heard of Death Stranding. It's the most iconic thing in the game, probably. Yeah, and these things are attached to like this, like, antenna thing that pretty much points in the direction of where these invisible beings are so there's kind of like some stealth to this game as well but if like the baby like if you're falling and down and like getting a lot of damage the baby's gonna start crying kind of like Yoshi's Island status and then you have to like soothe it to sleep or just calm it down just by you know rocking it up and down for a while pretty pretty long while on a scale of some to all how many drugs was Kojima on when he <laughs> came up with all this? Like, it's so random. The, um, thing, about, the I, thing about it is that I, I, I think this is just his normal head. I feel like he does not need drugs. To you're probably right, honestly. Yeah. But I'm just oh, thinking, and, like, and, like, even, like, being like, oh, what if we had a dominating rod to find these um, these creatures? But what if instead of a rod, it was a almost human baby, but not quite a human baby? So we'll take out the vowels and leave the consonants. But it's basically a baby. Like, how do you even think of that? It's, his mind works in such weird, interesting ways. You know, and the baby, like, it's clearly sentient, and it looks at you, and it emotes. Like, it make it, it, it blew, like, a heart bubble at you once, and, like, it winks, and I think it saw him flip off Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> um, so it has, like, a little personality. But, you know, to, on, on top of all that, like, there's also rain that they call timefall, but it's, it's basically rain. But anything that the water touches, this rapidly ages until it dies, if it stays in the hmm. rain too long. So you're also, like, combating that. And also your character, um, Sam, he can't die. Like, anytime you, like, I fell off a cliff, like, that was really high up, hit my head, and I'm like, oh, I guess that's the game over. But you just end up in this, like, blue abyss, and you have to float toward their body. You're still, like, playing. And then you find, like, all these things, you have to find your body, and then you float into it, then you hold F to like re to be reborn but then it looks like you're like inside of the esophagus like going through tunnels and then you see the baby pop out and then it gives you like a thumbs up and then you immediately get shot out of like sam's mouth and he's like <gasps> like he just woke up and it's like oh what i guess is this and then, game 
Wait, hold on, Kevin. And you said you don't think he was on drugs for any of this? He's absolutely not on drugs. <laughs> and that's... it turns out that, I guess, Sam is what they call a doom, which is, I guess, someone that can't die. And I guess that's just how that works. Which is interesting as a game mechanic because, yeah. you know, you can't die. You just have to keep reviving yourself. But I think I think what's craziest yeah. about this is any of these mechanics could be their own game. But because of who it is, he's like, nah, we're putting us all in one game at once. Like, honestly, like, <laughs> like I, I mean, I love the way it plays. And, like, the plot is just so out there that it's just keeping me entertained. Like, mm-hmm. and Gross, like, I want to see where this goes because mm-hmm. it's so weird. But, um... And then there's also, like, just, like, weird, like, I mean, it's also very silly. Like, I mean, I mentioned the baby is very over the top. Like, Kojima games typically do have a lot of silliness to them. Mm-hmm. And there's even, like, when you're, like, in your waiting room, you could drink monster energy. Like, it's literally just monster energy. And it's, like, the same, like, cans that we have. And you could drink a couple of them and they'll increase your energy bar. But then, like, what I thought the weirdest part was... um The canteen? There's, like, some... Oh, no, not, not the canteen. But there's, like... I mean, that is pretty weird. But, I mean, yeah, you could take a dump you could take a piss like whenever you want but there's also like some figurines on the back of his room and you could like observe anything in the room but for whatever reason when you pick the figurines like the norman reedus character sam he like walks towards the camera looks at you like just straight up looks at the player and then points at the figurines and then like guides you in the direction like oh look over there and then and then you're looking at the figurines kind of like oh it, it was this is really weird but yeah it sounds like an experience and that's something he's very good at is experience (laughs) it's definitely an experience like yeah while everyone else is playing ghost of tsushima like i feel like i'm yeah like like i'm on like on a drug trip like what's going on here (laughs) but and paper mario to be fair that's also and, 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 and that's the thing is like nothing about this game so far i would say makes it a bad game like i can see why it gets a lot of praise but i could also see why it gets a lot of like flack just because it does kind of feel like a lot of clashing elements that don't feel like they should be together, but they just are. Like, I mean, like this walking simulator game could have probably been coded in some other thing that would have made it way more approachable. Mm-hmm. But it just happens to be in the most like avant garde sci fi, like heavy, symbolistic, like everything feels like it's trying to be like heavy handed symbolism. But that's just Kojima, so yeah. Kojima unleashed. Literally, yeah. This is like freed from the shackles yeah. of Konami. Like, I'm curious. Like, if he would do, if he were to do a sequel, like, what would he change? Or if his next game is just going to be like doubling down on this craziness, but just something else? But all I know is definitely glad I'm I'm able to play it. Not that I wasn't able to before, because I do have a PS4. But I mean, so, just having it on it... PC is nice, and like, yeah, it's just just awesome. How does it compare to the PS4 version? Because I know you've seen your brother play it. Has he seen um, you play this on PC? To, I don't to think see how so. It I mean, I can't tell the difference because I mean, I haven't really seen the PS4 version lately. But I mean, I can only imagine it's on par, if not maybe a little better. But I also don't have the best monitor either. Uh-huh. Like my monitor is good, but like I can also tell that it's not like as nice and crisp and doesn't have as high of a resolution as other monitors I've seen. So it could potentially look better, but yeah, it's kind of hard to say at this point. Right. To, to your earlier point, you know what I want to see Kojima do next? I want to see him go full... Is it George Miller that directed Mad Max and Babe and Happy Feet? <laughs> like, I want to see... And he, and Kojima has it in him. He did... We talked about it before. He did uh, 
uh, Boktai before. So I want to see him make a super approachable kids game that just has his signature style still somehow. I don't know how, but I want like I think that'd be very interesting coming off Death Stranding to see him do a complete 180 and make something really approachable but still kind of quirky and weird. I don't think he ever will, but that that's my dream. Yeah, because he want he still wants to do his horror game with Guillermo del Toro and right. Junji Ito. So I honestly hope that's next for me. Yeah, I mean honestly, that sounds like the better product. I just want to see what he could cook up. Yeah. Maybe when he's done with all the stuff on his slate currently, he goes and makes Babe the game or something. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, I think he went on record to say that, that this new Kojima Productions is going to get into TV and movies, so he might finally direct mm-hmm. a movie mm-hmm. of his own. He should. He ha- like he has the mind for it. Yeah. No doubt about that. He has so many different ideas. Right. Uh, so that was Death Stranding, as, as Angel mentioned. There are other people playing Ghostshima. And that would be me. Uh, Tsushima, the, the latest, and I think the last big PS4 exclusive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is weird because the last PS3 exclusive, the swan song of the PS3 was, uh, Last of Us. And Last of Us 2 isn't the PS4 swan, swan song, so I thought that was, a that was a little strange. It was but, so close. Yeah. A month away. A, a month, a month difference. <laughs> Yep. I I would have I would I probably would have delayed Last of Us for another month just to have it. No, nothing against <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima, but I I feel like it would have been a little bit more fitting, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. For the last game to be the Last of Us. Yeah, the Last and of Us. And for it to be two. the end of a gener- a second generation with a sequel. Yeah, I, I, that would have been very poetic of Sony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But. Oh, I and I mentioned this to to your brother. But this is almost poetic in a sense, Ghost Tsushima, because... So for those who don't know, this is Sucker Punch's newest game. But if I'm not wrong... Yeah, the Sly Cooper people. The Infamous people. Which Infamous Second Son launched... The series. Oh. The superhero superhero open world series. Which Infamous Second Son... Yeah, Cole and then... I forgot. I forgot the third games. And then Del- Chick I Girl. Think Delson. I think Delson was the name of the main character of Second Son. But Second Son launched on the PS4, so it's almost fitting in this way too that but they maybe. launch with the PS4 and now they're ending. You also the forgot PS4. their crowning. You also forgot their crowning achievement. If I'm not mistaken, Sucker Punch had made a sprocket robot on wheels for the N64. I think that is their first game ever. How could you forget really? such a crucial game in in gaming history as Sprocket? Robot on Wheels. They're well, also named after that one movie because they were inspired by it. Oh God, that movie, Zack Snyder. What is he doing? Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? Which movie? Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. Oh, Sucker Punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking Sprocket still, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you didn't make something called Sprocket. Anyway. Yeah. So for those who listen to the newest episode of the Ren Tenta podcast, which I implore you to do, uh, I created a new genre of video game called the Gummy Game. <laughs> and perfectly enough, Ghost of Tsushima is a Gomi game. So far, I'm a fan of every of everything that this game is having to offer me, with the exception of the story and the main characters, but we'll get to that in a little bit later. Uh, basically, the game takes place on the island of Tsushima, a real-life island uh, in Japan, and you play a samurai named Jin during a Mongol invasion. And this is, while it's not historically accurate, this is apparently something that did happen. Uh, hmm. yeah. So, so I thought that was interesting, but it's still, you know, it's still a video game. So uh, I took some sim- Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> similar similar to like the earlier Assassin's Creed games, or I guess that I I haven't actually played the new ones, but you're going around this open world, this island of Tsushima, and you're Wait, liberating nonfiction. What happened? I thought those were non-fiction. Oh, no, those are very... Assassin's Creed? Aliens included. Ah, yeah, it's all real. I mean, according to New York Times, they found alien vehicles somewhere on Earth, so... Yeah. Hmm. Huh. That was nice on you guys. Yep, you too. Good luck in your future life on Saturn. But uh, anyways, as I was saying, uh, you're going around the open world and you're liberating various checkpoints of, like, Mongols and saving Tsushima's inhabitants and you're gathering new points of interest. The combat is very much like Sekiro, for those who know. I I love that game. I love most from software games. Uh, but you'll have to parry, deflect, and dodge all incoming attacks, and you'll get little visual cues as to which one you're supposed to do. There are different stances that work better against different types of enemies, so there is a stone stance that will help you take down enemies that have shields. There is like a water stance are, you know what? I actually got those confused. The stone stance helps against people against like lances and the water stances against Mongols that have shields. So there is a there is some variation in the combat where Sekiro you're just you're just a, a swordsman. There is a let's go button in this game, which I absolutely love. Did you get to a chance to see this, Angel? Like when your brother um... was playing? No, I haven't. I've only seen like very small glimpses. Most most of what I know about the game was from the state of play, the last one, oh, okay. right before it came out. Yeah. So, so my favorite part of this game, which never gets old, is the "Let's Go" button, which is basically you walk up to a group of Mongols, and you press up on the D-pad, and Jin goes, "All right, let's do this. Who wants to fight me?" And then one of the Mongols will will walk up to you, and you're essentially like in a duel to see who. Like an old western or a, uh, an old samurai movie, more <laughs> would actually fit this better than a western. Uh, where you you'll hold down triangle and you'll wait for your enemy to attack you, and you release triangle, and then you'll do a one hit kill on them. Huh. And it goes into like this this cinematic mode where you have the the top and bottom bar black bars, and it, it's I've been playing this game for over thirty hours. And the let's go button never, never gets old. It's always it's always so fun just to cut down enemies in, with one, with uh, one swipe of the sword. And another little touch that I, that I love about this game is that you can wipe off the blood of your sword. Which I don't know. I've I've always thought that was a that was a. It, it, it literally a does no. It's literally just to just to look cool and and feel cool and feel cool. Yeah, you feel like a samurai. What can I say? Um... Like I said, once you clear a checkpoint, you open up a small area on the map, uh, a surrounding area on the map, which will show you points of interest. And boy, there are a lot of points. So there are like multiple different types of shrines that will level up your character. There are these little fox stands where you'll be roaming around the map and you'll see a fox and you'll follow him and he'll lead you through this through small little platforming section, which will lead you to, to a gold? shrine. No, oh. no, not to gold. Uh, but you'll you'll pray at a fox shrine, and then afterwards, almost every single time, you can actually pet the fox. So this game is a ten out of ten for me. <laughs> there there are like uh, hot springs where you you get to choose what you want to contemplate once you're in the hot springs. 
there are also these these points on the map where you can construct your own haiku uh, from from different little phrases that the game gives you. What does which, that do? Yeah. What does that do? Uh, what does it do? I forgot what it does. Oh, it gives like, you it, just... it gives you a headband, like a like a. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's a cosmetic thing at that point. Yeah, it's, it's that's cool. this game is this game is very is very cosmetic focused, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. You'll mm-hmm. you'll unlock different types of armors which do different things, but then you could make your armor black, you can make it red. It's uh very style focused, which is interesting. Which hmm. yeah. Uh there are also tons and tons of collectibles, which like I said, this game was made by Sucker Punch, so they're notorious for their collectibles in their open world games, especially the earlier Infamous games where you had to find uh, these little shards that would s- sometimes blend into the minimap. Uh, which that leads me to my next talking point where I've been collecting all these collectibles for over 30 hours, and I think that I just finished the first act of the game. Which how long is this game? <laughs> I have, probably a forty-hour game. <laughs> I have no idea. It's it's. I like I said, I've been playing thirty hours. I finished the yeah. first area because because you can zoom out of the map and you you see that there are three chunks of Tsushima, but I'm still not even done with everything on the first chunk. So like I've unlocked a bunch of things. I think I'm actually done upgrading my character but i still have two acts to go yeah (laughs) i don't know i don't know there's an 100 percent trophy but i'm at this point i'm really committed so i might as well play out the rest of better be uh, if you're putting 100 hours in yeah we're now 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 i understand why it's the final release on ps4 because if they had to delay ps5 this game would keep people busy up through the delay it sounds like like it's that's a lot of content yeah there there's a and and I understand how it could probably get repetitive for some players, but if you know me, I love my repetitive games, especially if I could just have a Twitch stream in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the game falters, and it's a good thing that there's a lot of content, is the uh, the characters are really, really boring. The They're supposed to... You, you meet a lot of people that help you liberate Tsushima, but I don't care about any of them. I don't even care about the, the main <laughs> villain. The main character, Jin, he is a wet blanket. He's all mm. about honor, and since this is a stealth game, you uh, you do the very dishonorable thing of just cutting up your your enemies, like just backstabbing them and just just slicing mm. their throats from behind. And the game does does make a a mention of this, like the very first time that you that you stealth kill somebody. You have a flashback to where, like, your mentor says, "No, that is very dishonorable." <laughs> but after that, but after that, it's like it's a free for all. You can just you can just stealth your way throughout this entire game, and you'll never hear anything about it being dishonorable after that first cutscene, uh-huh. which I thought was very strange. It's not. It's not like uh, you think they'd make a bigger deal out of it if they yeah. bothered to put a flashback, unless you're like. Are you playing it wrong? Like, do they have a way they want you to play it, and you are like Watch. subverting that? Like, is that what's you going beat on? the game and you get like some other ending just because you did that? 
Imagine you're, if the game, like, you're 95 hours in or whatever, and then the game just, like, abruptly ends, and you just die at the hand of someone doing what you did to everyone else to you, and then the it flashes ending. back, and he's like, I told you not to do that, and then you're like, what? And that's just the end of the game, and you don't get any plot, like, resolution or anything. It just abruptly ends. I mean, that could be cool. I, I, would, I wouldn't <laughs> deny that being cool, but, but they give you so many points. Like, there's tall grass that you can hide in. Like, it, it is a stealth-focused game, but you mm. are able to go into, like, every enemy camp, swords blazing, and just challenge everybody, you know? So, mm. and there's no, unlike infamous, the infamous games where, where you could be, like, a good hero or a bad hero, this doesn't have a morality system. So, I feel like if there were if they were to implement something like that, it'd be, like, the ghost side, where you are the stealth the stealth samurai or the just the honorable samurai path and you could see like a visual slider going up or down but so far nothing about the game has indicated that that is going to be a thing unless they just decide to throw it on you in the ending right at the end of the game so it's going the honorable samurai path literally just saying let's go to every single enemy in the entire game yeah pretty much damn but then then they also give you Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and I bet someone definitely did that. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure that somebody and, and the game does force you to do stealth. Oh, that's that's the other thing. There are there are missions. There are main story missions where it's like you can't raise the alarms, so you absolutely have to do the game stealthy, like the mission stealthy. It's it's weird. Hmm. You've actually it must build toward, it, it must build towards something. So are you always a samurai, or can you actually go like full ninja and then like Naruto run all over the place? <laughs> no, no, you're you're always a samurai, but you have you have different tools to help you kill the enemies, these Mongols stealthily. You have a a smoke bomb. Let's say, let's say you have three guys around you. You you literally pocket sand onto the floor, <laughs> and then ninja this, vanish. Yeah, and then you could vanish, or you could do stealth kills, like in in the smoke. And you could do mm. chain stealth kills, which which do look pretty cool. Then you have ku- you do have kunai's, so that that's another cool thing. <laughs> you have sticky bombs. You 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 have a you have quite the arsenal of weapons that are, would be very dishonorable if your uh, if your old mentor would see you doing this. So I don't know. So maybe it, it does lead to it's gotta. It has to. I would hope so because, like, what's the point of giving me that cutscene where at the start, like that? At the yeah. start, yeah. So yeah, no, it's definitely you're definitely like subverting what he wants. Not you as the player, but like the game's how you subvert was expected to then throw some wrench at you later. It has that has to be it. Yeah, and like I said, the the main character does every every now and then. He's like, no, I have to, I have to look your enemy. I have to look at my enemy at in the eye. In the eye. Yeah. So, I man, I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird conflict within the game, but so far I'm I'm definitely enjoying it. The game's beautiful. It's some of the some of the vistas are are really really great looking, and the game has an excellent photo mode, which uh, I've uploaded some on my Twitter. If you guys want to see that, not you not you too, the uh, the listeners. I don't want you guys seeing anything that I do on my Twitter. Oh, but, um, uh, you might no, have to block me. I might no, have seen it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. How yeah, is there photo uh, mode? Usually, I find photo modes and video games to be kind of cumbersome to use. At least, like, on 
like the one in God of War isn't that great. It's very it's very intuitive, honestly. There's I I haven't used many of the photo modes. I know the last game that I oh I guess Last of Us had one, but but I never used that. Nor did I ever use it with Spider Man. But it's literally just huh. uh, hitting right huh. on the D pad. You don't have to go into into the it's another menu or, or something. Yeah, you just literally hit right on the D pad, and you're in photo mode. Oh, that's cool. Definitely would make me want to take more pictures. Yeah, just just the the ease of access. But uh, do, yeah, do that's, you find that's do you find that in games with photo mode you get too distracted by it sometimes? Like, there's definitely been times. I think Mario Odyssey's one, and maybe Animal Crossing, but mostly Mario Odyssey's one that really stuck in my mind where I, where I kept not progressing because I'd be sitting there messing with the photo mode for like yeah, 25 I, I, I did spend a lot of time taking pictures in Mario Odyssey. Yeah. I didn't even know that it had a photo mode. Oh, yeah. Mario it has Odyssey. filter. It is a full-on Instagram. It has like filters. It has They kept adding cool effects. filters too. Yeah. I spent a lot of time trying to make pictures of making it look like Mario was killing someone, and I know it was it that too. I but just wanted to make ones monsters. as if it was real life. <laughs> like, I'd be taking ones that would be things I would put on my Instagram in real life if it was not a video game. Like, if it was not a plumber in a video game, but, like, me in life. But that's funny uh, that you uh, want to kill with Mario. How dare you? He's a wholesome man. Did Legend Actually, I guess he's not that wholesome. Uh, it yeah, it did. Yeah, it had a camera, like Ooh. a full-on camera. Yeah, and you could even have Link, like, pose with the camera and, like, and smile on Link. do selfies, yeah. I guess since Wind Waker HD, they started doing that. Huh? Wind Waker was, I feel like, the first game that the HD Wind Waker with the picto, yeah. with the elaborate picto box. I feel like it was the first game where they, there was like, a fel- there was a selfie it. mode. Yes, yeah. yep. And then after that, Nintendo started doing it more, and another company started doing it, kind of in tandem. I don't think Nintendo necessarily was at the forefront of it, but they were definitely. Oh no, they definitely were like part of the initial wave. Yeah, Sony's really embraced it with with all their first party titles for sure, though. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen some oh. some good looking Goshima uh, photo mode photos. No, oh, yeah, I've seen and I mean, lots of really good like Horizon and God of War ones where it's like, damn, like did the game look that nice? Like I don't remember. And it, and it just makes sense for them because like not always is it fun for us to like do, you know waste so much time on, but then you share them on social like you were saying how you're, they're on your Twitter, and then like free marketing for the game. They don't even have to do it, like it's literally like half the word of mouth marketing taken care of for them just by like adding a little photo mode. It's, it's, you know, like I remember saying Cookie Mama, the one thing it did right, the Switch version of Cookie Mama was it had a photo mode that had instant sharing to your, to your networks and had all the like food filters and everything like Instagram would. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, what could you possibly take a picture of in Cookie Mama? The dishes. The dishes. Because you could play them. You could, they do, that's the problem. But you could play them, you can set them up with different backgrounds, you can change the camera angle, you can use one of 12 different filters or something, like, and and again, like ultimately they all look the same, but the idea there was oh, okay. you can add a caption, I take it back you can, then. You can add stickers, you can unlock stickers and add more stickers. Like all that is built like I think okay, it's cool for the player, but really it's a marketing thing. Yeah. Which is smart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, so that's a good shimmer for me. Uh any more video games that we want to talk about? I'm got Paper Mario on the next Ram Nintendo. I'm excited for that. I'm playing that. So stay Ooh, tuned. I still, I, I, still, I still have to I still have to purchase that. Uh, man, it's, it's I, cool. It's I, cool. I've, That's I've, I've way too many things on my on my plate right now, especially since I, I since I started uh, paying for Final Fantasy fourteen. I have to get back to that. Oh, you're paying I for start... it now? Yeah. Oh, luckily, That's because I luckily because I transferred it over to my Steam account, it gave me another thirty days, and I thought so I still have twenty six days left of my next month of playing for free. So I kind of should put in like another hour the other day, 
so nice being able to play the game in 60 frames per second and with actual like nice resolution i had to like you know like usual put all the settings down and down and down res the game so much just so it could run at a steady 15 frames per second 15 15 frames (laughs) i'd rather have a steady 15 than 60 for like three seconds then it's like frozen then it's like maybe three frames per second. Then it's like sixty again for a couple. It's like True. I'd rather it be consistent. Yeah, I, then, I would take consistency over high frame rate any day. The yeah. the resolution also made like air, all the text ridiculously huge. So whenever there's like a bunch of players running around, it was really hard to see like where I was going. It was just like <laughs> an ocean of text. So it's definitely nice. How long were you playing it in that way? Like Since... a month, but how, it's only how? like how very slowly. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. a whole new world. But yeah, definitely lots to play, lots to play, yeah, lots to watch. Got to lots to watch. That. Perfect, perfect segue. That I know beautiful. how much Jason loves those. I, I, uh, they, Jason, I do. what have you, what have uh, you been watching? Jason I, has a segue at his I, house. I wish I did. I've ridden a Segway. I never. I don't own one. Though. They actually segue. just stopped. They actually, yeah, they just uh, stopped making them. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, yeah, Segway is a brand or a type of vehicle? No, it's a Segway brand is a brand. Live, I think Segway is a brand living on making scooters, but Segway is those silly vehicles where you lean forward to go forward and mall cops love them. They're gone. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> that yep. kind of makes me a little sad. Yeah, so, they, they're, they're actually, honestly, I know we had a beautiful Segway and now we're Segwaying into Segway, <laughs> but honestly, like, they are a really cool way to explore a new city. Like, you go into, like, a group, like, you're like a pod of dolphins, but you're on Segways, and it's just really easy to, like, maneuver around and stuff. Like, I, I have done it when visiting places, and it's, it's really, it's actually really fun, especially when there's, like, hills and stuff, because you just zip up the hill. Damn, um, I'm kind of bummed out, because, like, I do like the idea of riding, like, the birds and stuff. Like, when we went to Austin, that was a really fun yeah, thing to just, like, yeah. ride around in, but... I feel like a Segway is, like, more chill, like, something you could actually ride, like, inside a mall or something, as opposed to... I wouldn't use a bird, or I don't think you can't use a bird. You cannot. Or a lime. Or you whatever. also can't use a Segway unless you're Paul Blart. So, mm, like, only maybe. the mall cops can do it. But, maybe one um, day I'll be a mall cop. Big aspirations over there. <laughs> but, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, the, the thing with Segways that was... That's interesting. It's like, so the brand's dead, but they're, go- like, they're not going anywhere. I'm sure all these tour groups are going to use them for decades to come until they all stop working but yeah it is it was it was interesting because i remember when they first came out the idea was they're gonna be the vehicle of the future everyone's gonna have one that's how you're gonna move around in urban areas like new yorkers won't be walking they'll be segueing who was that swing and a miss like who boy they did not come anywhere near that but they gave it you know a 15 20 year run and then gave up damn was it the COVID or just in general that no it's just in general i think COVID didn't help because the type of people that did buy them were tour groups and touristy things and mall cops and all those things have like ceased to be malls are closed again at least in parts of the country no one tourism's down like travels down so you know which means more time to play and watch things like i've been doing with middle edition shorts on netflix and that is how you segue anyway learn from the master oh yeah i've been doing this for nine years uh (laughs) but yeah uh since you did ask i've been watching it's a little late to the party for me because it came out in april but i've been watching the middle ditch and schwartz or i just finished watching the middle ditch and schwartz uh improv specials are you guys familiar with what these guys do at all should i explain a bit of their approach it's a little different than most is shows. middle ditch loki from the marvel Universe? no that will be that would be t- uh uh middle hitch also thomas uh no it's, it, 
Middle? Wait, no. is it Tom what? Middle? Wait, what's the name of the guy that plays Loki? Is it Tom? Tom Middle? Tom Hiddleston. 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 That's right. I it's, was way off. It's, it's Thwarts of F.A.O. Schwartz. Correct. It's a giant stuffed bear that does three hours of improv on Netflix. Yes. Uh, no. It's, Schwartz uh, was the voice of Sonic from the. Yes, Sonic Ben Schwartz. You may know him as uh, John oh, Ralphio in oh, Parks and Rec. Ben Schwartz. Yeah, it's Ben Schwartz. So Parks and Rec, John Ralphio, Sonic in the Sonic movie, Sonic in the upcoming Sonic movie two, confirmed a few days ago. Um, and and Middle Ditch is Thomas Middle Ditch, who you may know from Silicon Valley as Richard Hendricks, and more recently he's one of the voices in Solar Opposites on Hulu. Mm, and the two like? of them that have been doing. I didn't in- watch Silicon Valley, so. Oh well, you've what seen that one scene you know, though from uh, season one, right? Where they're doing the calculations of the crowd. I doubt he's seen it. That... I think he has because he's referenced it to me before. But anyway, he's the main like guy. He's like the Mark the one Zuckerberg. Where they have to, where they have yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. Tip to tip or something. Yeah, the yes. tip to tip equation. <laughs> yes, he's the main. Um, oh, he's wait, the main the, guy. The, the dude with the the curly hair. Kind of curly, Thor. Yeah, he's like the Zuckerberg looking guy. Yeah. Wait, the, the guy that came out in Deadpool. Yes. I think he was in Deadpool too. Yes, he what he was he, also he, he was in Godzilla too. He he well. he's the friend of um of Wade Wilson, the one. No, the that's no that's wait. T J Miller. That's T J Miller. Oh, I'm thinking of the wrong. Not that curly hair guy. Godzilla, the comic relief in the second Godzilla. The guy that said Zilla when someone said, "Oh my God." No. Okay, this that's, is a lost that's cause. That's from Good Up. Point is, yeah, lost cause. It's fine because both of them were in Godzilla, so it's slightly <laughs> confusing. Uh, I don't remember him in Godzilla. He was in the second one in War of the Monsters. I guess I'll Google him. Anyway, I'm going to start talking and I'll patiently wait for Angel to go, oh, this guy, in like 20 seconds. But um, yeah, so the two of them together for a long time have been doing a stage show of what they call long-form improv, which is the idea that instead of doing bits here and there and getting different prompts from different people, they talk to a specific member in the audience about a specific thing for a couple minutes, glean a bunch of information, and then riff for a whole hour. Oh, and it's high. There it is. Okay. And you know what? It was exactly 20 seconds, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, that guy. But yeah, so yeah, instead, you're just a Canadian actor, and you wouldn't have jumped to that would have gotten <laughs> gotten you to know. You wouldn't have jumped to Seth Rogen or Ryan Reynolds or any of the. He other... was also in the Wolf of Wall Street. Come on, man. he was. Apparently, yeah, like according five, to IMDb, for like five what? seconds. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, so these two, what they do is instead of like, well, sorry, say say like bits and bobs, they do like a single narrative. So they'll take. Uh, they'll talk to one audience member and learn about a thing in their life that happened and then get to know some of the people that were involved in what happened and ask questions. And then they literally on the fly construct a full story that more often than not will actually wrap around by the end to reference things that happened in the beginning of the improv. Like it feels like a fully fleshed out story, but they're doing it on the fly. And it's really kind of cool. So there's three of them on Netflix. Uh, there's one called parking lot wedding which is like the best of the bunch probably there's another called uh law school magic which is eh. and then there of the three like they're all good but it's the eh of the three and there's a third one called um dream job which it like because it's improv you know sometimes they forget who they are because they they're not just being two characters they are establishing characters and then jumping around so like ben schwartz will star as a character but then he introduces another character later that's part of the story so now middle ditch has to become that first character briefly and like so it's they're bouncing off each other for a full hour and what's insane is how well they like thread the needle of the story mostly and i um like i saw them once a few years ago here in la at largo because they used to do the show regularly here then they went on tour they play the carnegie hall in new york like it's kind of a big thing now and um i was really like i thought it was just pure luck 
that they were able to kind of like bring it back with like a callback at the end that made sense at the beginning and all it was like it was all like obviously it's kind of silly it's not like a good plot but it's a lot like it you could follow it and it has like a thread but what was crazy is i'd say successfully two out of three specials they managed to do that every single time one of them a little less so but i guess that's just like their secret talent is they're able to literally do a whole in-depth story on the fly and uh occasionally they kind of forget who they are the ending of the third one was really funny it's not a spoiler but they basically completely lose the thread and it's like them trying to reestablish what's going on while not like showing that they like they're trying to figure out like who are you and who is i but they do it like in character which makes it really funny but um yeah i would say if you like comedy at all like this is like a master class of like how to like wow. on the fly if you like comedy at, at all. all no but if you like comedy shows like if you like improv or wow. like, this is a really good example that of like high praise right it there. is if you if you have ever laughed i mean you life, might have, yeah you might as well just say like if you're human if you have laughed no but if you like enjoy going to like comedy shows and kind of the more off the cuff like it's not like deeper like comedy about societal issues it's or not like commentary it yeah it's not stand-up but if it's like kind of more like wacky st- and fly by see your pants a little more like out there um it they're really really funny and good at what they do um and there's not a whole lot else to say because i don't want to like spoil any of them but there is a fourth the only reason i'm really bringing it up is one there's a fourth one they recorded that netflix hasn't put on the service and i kind of want them to do it so i feel like the more people that watch it there's hope for that but two they have both said publicly the only way we're going to get more of these taped ones is if people start watching it more so this is my plea to the world because I want to watch more of these. And in COVID, they can't just do it in LA like they used to. Like they used to do it like every two months here, so you can just go and see it. Not possible anymore. So this is very selfish of me, and I'm bringing it up selfishly, but um, it is really funny. And yeah, I think I think it's worth checking out if you like improv. Yeah, at all. Definitely not watching it now, but they're uh, good they're to a know great it duo. But uh, where you say, Ken? They're they're a great duo. They're uh, I hate carpool karaoke. And like all those shows that spun off from from mm-hmm. bits within late night TV shows, but their episode of Carpool Karaoke is legitimately funny. Yeah, it is, and they also like they even did a thing a couple weeks ago. Netflix just threw it on their Twitter. It was the two of them playing Animal Crossing together for like seven minutes, and they just go into this weird bit of how like I think it was Thomas Middleditch is like it's his secret science lab, and like Ben Schwartz is just trying to leave and keeps getting cornered. But like it sounds like dumb, but they make it funny for like a. Like it's like a seven minute gag just set mm, in the museum in Animal Crossing, but they do a good job. <laughs> My point is like they 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 the silliness shines through, and they're very good at thinking on their feet and just like yeah, it's it is not again it's not a ton to say because I just want people to watch it. So for my I almost want to check bedroom. it out out of curiosity, but I feel like I should know better. If you were only check out one of the three, do parking lot wedding. It's the it's the one that's getting the most like praise, so to speak, and it's the one that like feels the most like how I described it, where they could thread the needle really well. Um, Law school magic's probably the weakest of the three, but then um, dream job. It's the one that falls apart in the end. But honestly, I love when people screw up. Like I love when people break on SNL or like. Uh, Bill Hare playing Stefan always like that's like my favorite thing on SNL. So them really? them falling apart, like oh Stefan's great. Are you kidding? But them falling apart like makes it so much funnier. Like when they break. So um, yeah, Dream Job's pretty good for that alone. Uh, but yeah, wait, do you not? Wh- why are you shocked? That I like Stefan on SNL. I don't know. I mean, I would say that's one of the weaker things about SNL in general. But what's their stronger thing, Angel? Expert of SNL that you are. I think I think he's talking more about when they break character, right? Or Stefan? Uh Taking at Stefan. 
No, I meant specifically Stefan, but uh, yeah, I just said uh, the oh, best okay. thing about them is is the, the when they roll the credits. Yeah. Well, what's funny? What, you know, do you know the backstory of why Bill Hader always breaks his Stefan? It actually makes it kind of funnier in retrospect. Um, All right, go ahead. Thanks, thanks. Uh, so basically, they would change the script on him between rehearsal and going live, and the person that would change it would be John Mulaney. John Mulaney used to write for SNL, and him and Bill Hader made Stefan. So Mulaney would specifically go into the cue card room work with the cue card guys and swap out the punchlines without time bill hater and would do very targeted jokes that would get him to crack so it was basically by the end of like the stefan run in the later years it was literally a game to see how quickly they can make bill hater laugh and break character and i think their hit rate was probably like 100 percent because he could never hold it together oh now i feel like checking out some of those clips yeah no and and like john mulaney has obviously gone on to become a huge comedian of his own right but yeah he uh stefan was his and bill hater's creation so the most yeah, recent so that, appearance that John Mulaney did on SNL was pretty was pretty hilarious. Oh, not the most great. recent one, but the most recent one that he showed up on that Stefan bit where he whispers, where John oh, Mulaney whispers yeah, into yeah, Stefan's yeah. ear. That yeah. that was genuinely pretty hilarious. And that was also something that he was trying just to get Bill Hader to break. Like apparently he whispered, like my sister works at Hot Topic or something. Totally no, out no, he field, said he said it? he said my girlfriend works at Yoshinoya Beef Bowl. Oh, that's what it was, right? Yeah, better, more, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, like, you know, Bill Hader can just not hold it together when something random happens, so. But, yeah, he's he also, like, he uses SNL these days, like, this weird little outlet where he just does, like, like those musicals he always writes. Do you know what I'm talking about, Kevin? I'm pretty sure Angel does it. But, basically, Mulaney, every time he comes on, he's at three times now, they do a bit where it's, like, some normal scene at a restaurant that breaks out into, like, a sort of really bad, cheesy parody of, like, famous Broadway songs. But it's, like, the most elaborate set pieces. They have, like, you know, like people hanging on uh, like harnesses and they like have the whole casket involved. It always turns into like a big musical number and it's so over the top and honestly dumb. But John Mulaney just has the clout that he's like, I'm going to do this SNL. And they're like, okay. And it's just become this like running thing where they just like, how do they make it more absurd than the last one? It's right. almost like a meta, meta level type of thing. I didn't realize John Mulaney was as big as he was just because I remember people making a big deal that i guess they got him for spider ham but mm-hmm. i just thought it was just some normal dude but i mean i don't know i, I feel like i wasn't a, the biggest fan of the voice of spider ham but i mean I've, I've seen his other stuff after the fact that i'm like yeah he's pretty funny sometimes the, honestly like the horse in the hospital bit he does um which goes back years now but it's kind of a comparison of um our current president and how the government's kind of around him. But the bit he does, like, that's, it's so good. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was his weakest. Uh, really? His weakest one. Yeah, yeah. That, that, not that bit, but that, that stand up or the, the To be honest, I haven't seen that, that whole stand up. I've seen that bit because he did a, sorry, I'm not trying to brag. He did a thing in LA years ago that Conan was at. So I didn't know Mulaney that well, but I went to see Conan and Mulaney was workshopping the horse in the hospital bit. So the one that's on the special, I think, slightly different than what I saw. It's probably better in the special, but I haven't actually seen the rest of the special around it. Just that bit, like I don't know, six months, a year prior or something. Right. But yeah, but it was, uh, it was really. I thought it was really funny, but yeah, I don't know about the special as a whole. I, I actually am very bad about watching stand-up specials. Like even Mildred and Schwartz is one of the few times I've watched like a taped comedy special. Like usually, I just like would rather because we're in LA and we have the luxury of having being the epicenter of comedy outside of New York and I act outside of New York and Chicago. Uh, I, if I like DJ for those, I prefer seeing it in person. Cause I very rarely actually like laugh out loud at things on TV. Like a crowd is usually what helps. 
you know, like you see a movie in a theater, you go laugh more with the crowd than if you're at home. Oh, the tourist thing, like, like hearing the crowd laugh reminds me that something was funny. Well, <laughs> it's not that, but it is sort of a, it's like, it is sort of a thing where it's like a collective, like I've noticed I tend to laugh more if I'm in a group of people laughing. Like you could say something to me one-on-one and I'll be like, huh, that's funny. But then if you say it with the group and everyone starts laughing, it's just like, it's contagious. It's kind of like a yawn in a way. Like I will, like if you hear laughter, it sort of does reinforce it. That's why laugh tracks are a thing because they're kind of like, this is what's funny and they're hoping that like trip something in your brain to agree but yeah which is what was kind of weird about seeing palm springs in a drive-thru a drive-in is like there was you couldn't hear the laughter hmm. it's still a very good movie but um and i yeah but like it was you yes know, I, I actually saw palm springs on when was it wednesday very good movie it's good right it. yeah yeah i really liked it although yeah. the ending the 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 ending uh i feel was a little too ambiguous Really? With, they pretty with, clearly explained with, with, what no, the outcome with, spe- was. Specifically with, with J.K. Simmons' character. Oh. Yeah, I have a theory. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't spell it out. You're right. Yeah, yeah. We, we can we can talk about that offline. We'll talk about this offline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, uh, I can't remember what I was saying before that. But yeah, generally I don't watch comedy specials, but Middle Edition Swords was um, – I, I would recommend it. Again, because I'm selfish, but also because it's really good. Right. So – and Netflix. Do any like, of these specials ever get censored or anything? No, it's Netflix. Of course not. Oh. They Netflix doesn't care. Like you're, it's, it's so the only reason things are ever censored is because they're concerned about advertisers or the FCC caring. When you're a private, so if it thing, was on you, TV, they probably just bleep some stuff out. Uh, yes, if they were on not cable, even cable, you don't have to bleep. You don't have to bleep anything on TBS versus C, uh, NBC. The reason they do is because advertisers align their brands with those shows so like maybe you don't want to hear someone like string together seven f words and call someone something <laughs> bad uh because then it's like now dove soap and you're like oh dove endorses that but when you're netflix when you're paying or when you're hbo that's a really good example you know you're paying a premium subscription there are no ads there is no association so you can do whatever you want on there as long as the network itself uh, stands behind that as part of their brand so in netflix's case with you know netflix is a joke as their whole like marketing scheme they are basically anything funny is fair game and they'll you know, put anything. They have every major comedian now and everything. So, why were you? Were is there a concern you have with thing, with like censorship recently or something? Um, no, not really. But it's just more like like in the last weeks. Um, I guess like something came up that I just never thought about before that hmm. made me go like, oh, that explains a lot. And then, yeah, it's pretty much all about censorship and localization. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically in the world of anime, like I for a long time always wondered like why a lot of my cousins and some people I knew that grew up in Mexico would tell us that like oh anime and like Latino America is like way better than it is here and I never really knew why I never really thought about it in my head it's just like well it's in Spanish it's like I don't know like I guess they have some other shows that we don't have but you know never really put too much thought into it and you know like after like looking more into it and just you know just getting more educated in the topic um I guess I learned it pretty much just revolved around censorship and that's pretty much the big crux of it because I guess in Mexico like you know how most cartoons here especially like on Cartoon Network and Channel 11 or even Channel 5 like they're kind of ride or die especially like in the 90s like on their merchandise like if it's not going to produce money for merchandise like they will cancel a show almost outright or the opposite the show doesn't exist except to be a commercial sell the toys yeah exactly yeah and Mexico didn't really have the 
like the financial means to create their own shows to produce their own merchandise like the u.s did like all they could really do was just kind of get like licenses to stuff but that's not going to make them as much money as having your own license so they were kind of in that kind of like holding pattern and i guess around that time in the 90s i guess that's like when anime was getting really popular and something that they did versus the u.s like the u.s like still wanted to merchandise the heck out of everything so they were very picky about what anime they got and they pretty much like as many of you now know that watched anime at any point or even though that really don't like i know jason is well aware of how crazy they localize a lot of anime here mm-hmm. like you know like almost any kind of reference to anything japanese is completely changed sometimes the locations are changed and in a lot of extreme cases like um knights of the zodiac comes to mind um they completely chop up the story and change it completely just to be a completely different narrative narrative they change the characters sometimes orientation their like the way they talk like pretty much everything else is to be something completely different just to both censor and just make it okay for i guess a u.s audience or the way well, they Angel, thought it would the, have been okay the prime example of that something you and i saw well actually two examples one um the rice balls and Pokemon being called donuts. Even when I was eight, I'm like, that's a lie. But two, <laughs> yeah. the prime example that you and I watched together was uh, also on Netflix, uh, the Toys That Made Us or whatever it's called, Power Rangers. Non-anime, but from Japan, and then they chopped it up completely and shot new stuff for half of it, all because they didn't think it would resonate with an audience in America. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally, we, the only, we only share the footage of the fight scenes. Everything else is completely 100% original to the and U.S. over. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. Which is and why, was, like, a lot of people, like a lot of people may not even notice that, like, you almost never see the Power Rangers themselves, like, like right next to Rita, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because, like, oh, because they were never there. They're never in the same shot. Or, or like a cartoon that I remembered, um, growing up, like in elementary, no, like in middle school or high school. There's a show called Card Captors that, mm-hmm. yeah, on like in Tsunami. The, yeah, in the U.S., like it was called Card Captors in. Japan, I think it was called like Cardcaptor Sakura, or it pretty much had her name in the title. But in the USA, edited the anime to make it seem like the secondary character. There's a guy in that show that is kind of like Lee, right? You know, yeah, Lee. He's like a friend, but they pretty much make it out so that they're either like equally as important in the story, or he's more important versus making her the main character, which is what it was in overseas and everywhere else. And I guess where Mexico comes into this is that because for Mexico, it was so much cheaper just to just import these shows and not touch them outside of just translating them. them. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally all they would do. So like Mexico essentially got like pure uncut, like animes of so many different kinds, like, which explains why, like looking back, why I had aunts and cousins that would watch these shows that I never even heard of here because they were so niche because they just literally grabbed anime after anime and just dumped them out as they were like without censoring them or anything just dubbing over them which is just nuts to me like I I don't know I thought that was pretty interesting especially since like we always had this mentality growing up like oh these are the way these shows were and then you grew up going I and mean, yeah then later you find out like oh I the show I watched was actually not even like the correct one or it was just completely different like well, the next of the Zodiac oh sorry go ahead Oh, yeah, 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 like, like last thought on that, like, the Knights of the Zodiac one, like, that was, like, a 130-something episode anime, like, when the U.S. and Mexico, like, ported it over, and Mexico just showed all of them, but the U.S. chopped it up and just grabbed, like, they made, like, 37 episodes out of all of that, 
So you can imagine how confusing or nonsensical or why that show failed, essentially. It, the one that always got me was um, Yu-Gi-Oh! How the cards didn't look like the physical cards that we had. But oh. when you oh, saw like the... the yeah. Because of the, the, FTC, the FTC, right? The FTC is mm-hmm. the one that goes up for that one. Because of FTC regulations. But if you saw the movie, the cards looked exactly like ours. So it was weird whenever Yugi would play a card like uh, Celtic Guardian in attack mode. But it was like, how do you know that that's the Celtic Guardian? It, nowhere, <laughs> nowhere on the cards does it say Celtic Guardian. And the, the backs of the cards were also different. They were, yeah. they were like plain two-toned. While the uh, the actual Yu Yu cards do have like a uh, swirly design on them, like th- that's the one that always that I'll, I was like, huh, weird. I I do think it's kind of interesting that this is very much a problem of our generation because I feel like the internet and the fact that everything's accessible to everyone oh, yeah, through the internet is sort of leveling that playing field because obviously there's still going to be merch and stuff that is catered to different markets, but like if you look at like like Netflix, what they're doing, you know, they're releasing things from all over the world for all over the world and they're accessible from pretty much all the different Netflixes unless it's produced by another company and they just bought the rights. Like if it's stuff they're producing in-house, they are making it available in every market. So we have stuff that we can watch from other countries that are subtitled for us. I mean, you know, an extreme example kind of Narcos wasn't made for other countries. But that's all subtitles. And oh, they yeah, prior, yeah. and they had a Spanish audience in mind when they made it, no doubt. But then like, you know, we have stuff that they can just export wholesale to like Ireland or something and you know it's it's different than like how it was in the 90s where they had to cater to a market to make it work now just like we're just blasting it out to everyone and if it resonates with certain audiences great and if not that's okay we have the other audience and it's kind of all one it's very similar to the um, worldwide localization of games now how they try and do day and date for stuff like even you know even Atlas is getting in on it now with like Shimagami Tensei um, where it used to be like, oh, we could stagger it, it doesn't matter, but the internet's kind of forcing it because people will pirate it, people will find all the spoilers. So it, it's just weird. It's one of those things they don't think about when we were a kid, like how, you know, our parents would be like, when we were kids, TV was black and white, and you had to walk over and turn the knob to change the channel. We're like, how can it change from what we have? It's like, well, actually, a lot. It's such a different ball game now than it was when we were kids. I know. We literally are going to have a lot of those stories of back when we were kids. I mean, the fact that like a lot of these anime like were completely done and almost took like sometimes like over a year to even make it overseas and now literally i could watch like an episode of some anime that i'm watching right now on crunchyroll like an hour or less or sometimes at the same time as when it airs in japan mm-hmm. which is nuts yeah like yeah crazy crazy times well and it's gonna be even weirder because we're now gonna have this whole pocket of shows that are like socially distanced shows like there's gonna be a pocket of sports that are like weird. There's gonna be a pocket of game Isn't shows. There's like an that Apple show weird. that's about like working from home or something. Well, like so that? Mythic Quest uh, did a special work from home episode, and actually, this kind of this kind of speaking of segues, this kind of segues nice into something I wanted to bring up at some point in this episode, which was the Thirty Rock reunion they did. Um, because had a reunion. Yeah, so they did a reunion on NBC. I guess I'll I'll like do the table sayings here, and I'll get to my point. They had a reunion on NBC. Um, it was about a week ago, two weeks ago. And basically NBC – so every network – are you guys familiar with Upfronts that networks do? Yeah. No. OK. We got one yes, one no. Good enough. I'm going to explain <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> basically the idea is every May, every network will line up their fall shows and their summer shows and present them to advertisers as a pitch of this is why you need to advertise on our network. This is why you need to advertise during these blockbuster shows we're going to have. This is basically what our network is about for the next nine to 12 months. They couldn't do that due to COVID, obviously. 
Uh, you can't have a physical event. And, you know, they bring in all their stars and have them do stage presentations. It's basically an E3 press conference but about TV shows to advertisers. And why don't you go to that? It's not open it's to not... the public. But I did oh. go to that indirectly because what they did for 30 Rock, which is so weird, is they married the idea of, well, let's do a reunion of 30 Rock, which is a show about NBC and running NBC with an actual upfront presentation about what's coming to NBC. But they – so they announced it as this weird hybrid, and then they advertised it as a full-on 30 Rock, a one-time special reunion show. So when you watch it, it's like two-thirds 30 Rock or maybe half 30 Rock, half ad for Peacock, ad for NBC News, ad for NBC Sports, ad for the new slate of shows on their sister networks like E! and Bravo. And then you know at the end, here's the new shows coming to NBC this fall. And it's all integrated into the story, which made it very heavy-handed and very weird. But also, like, I don't know, like, are you in on the, is it a joke anymore if you're so in on the joke of making fun of your network and being about your network that you then use the thing making fun of you to actually be about your network? Like, it seems like it goes one step too far almost. So, like, the quality of the actual content of the 30 Rock special, I'd say, was not the best it could be. The 30 Rock bits were good. The advertising bits were not so good, and there were a lot of those. They said Peacock 21 times in one hour. I counted that's a lot of peacock. But um, the reason I bring it up is the way they put that together was so much different. That, Like if you watch from the start of um, the coronavirus lockdowns and quarantine through now, like the way things are shot, it's so interesting how it evolved. And it's going to be across like every format, like sports and live events and reality shows and whatnot that – to you know the point like everything's so different now when we talk kids about there's gonna be this weird like chapter of like a year of television maybe two years of television that just like you can't syndicate that you can't rerun it it's gonna be too weird it's just gonna feel so like haphazard because like if you look at like i mean i guess the very first reunion you can look at is what community did on youtube right and it's like basically a bunch of people just got on zoom and read a script and it had like a looseness that was kind of fun it's cool to see the cast together again and then they went one step further and they started doing tv shows through zoom and similar video chat platforms but knowing they're on zoom and similar chat platforms so like parks and rec they did it really well where they keep calling around a video call thing to try and like get in touch and you know they make it seem like they're playing for a show and they do an interview like it's a show and it made sense in the format mythic quest which you guys which we mentioned a minute ago they did it too and apparently it's well received but then what 30 rock did is they actually tried to shoot a real episode but everyone was isolated so they had family members doing multiple camera angles they were there were bits where they were on their phones facetiming but they were not just showing it through facetime they had a shot of tina fey as liz lemon talking into her phone from a third person perspective like someone was filming her filming the phone and then they did bits for like Kenneth, Jack McBrayer, he heads NBC and he's like in a mansion in LA and then he played his own secretary, which had like a weird – like they had a weird love relationship thing going on. Like she really likes him or whatever. So he's like playing two characters but they're shooting it from multiple angles. So it was like in terms of like the progress of like quarantine content, it actually felt very well shot and almost real like a real show. But if you put that against 30 Rock when they syndicated on – you know, what's available on Peacock or Netflix in like 10 years, it's going to stick out so much and be so weird. Like, it's just going to be like, th- this era is going to look so weird in retrospect. But, um, and, and it's interesting because, like, I think, I think, like, some things that are coming out of it are kind of cool. Like, I don't know. Have you guys been following how sports are coming back? They're doing it in such different ways, like each league. I saw sports that were coming back, but I haven't seen how. So baseball's back, 
and for the most part it's kind of a hodgepodge of crowd noises and the dodgers at least have cardboard cutouts of famous la people in the stands they actually put <laughs> like eight rows of cardboard cutouts behind you know where the camera would see them so it looks like there's a crowd then but I, I think, think you could also pay 150 dollars to get your own cardboard. oh you can actually pay i didn't know that oh, that's so. really cool that's actually really cool bucks. yeah that's and that's i cool. think they send it to you at the end of the season that's actually super cool so they're doing that. Then Fox for I think the NFL, they're using Unreal Engine to build a crowd. They're gonna have a virtual crowd of rendered people. They'll cheer, they'll why? boo, they'll make the wave, they'll do the wave. Um what'd you say, why? Like why 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 are they putting so much effort into so, making it look like a crowd is there? Because I think it's very like, weird. I think they think it's very weird when you have a sport going on and it's dead silent. Because half of the thing about sports is the energy in it, right? Like if you're cheering for your team, it's like, yeah, look at him go, look at him go. If it's just one guy by himself running down a field and just crickets, it kind of loses that energy. So they're kind of trying mm, to figure out a way. That just told me that then that just means people aren't, don't really care that much about sports. They oh, care about the, they care about sports. They but just care I, about the spectacle of it but not the sport itself. No, well, I think, I think no, it all no. – no, it factors in because when you're a fan of – I'm not even a sports person I get. But when you're a fan of if, like if a I team – If I love the sport, why would I care if there's like a crowd cheering? I just want to – Because – No, I'm sure people would still watch them. Like they absolutely would still would watch feel them. Weird. It would just feel weird. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know what I'd feel like, Angel? You know those bits of like Big Bang Theory where people take out the laugh track and put it on YouTube and it's just all those awkward pauses and stuff? It would be like that your favorite sport. yeah but that's because those shows are designed with the left track in mind though but I mean, you have like been... they pause for a plot. that show actually sucks too so it's not like it's not like sports <laughs> no but my where, point where no but my point is like with good. sports like it's it, there's them running down the field with the ball but there's also all the like energy that comes with that and around that and like you can't just you know it's really hard to get excited about something if it's dead quiet because like you know there's people at home that like throw their bowl of popcorn I, in the air when I guess they score. I can't relate. Like, I guess it's, I yeah. find it weird. But I think the coolest one, and this is one that actually I think makes the most sense, but the most work is what the NBA is doing. I was just reading about this yesterday. They are, first of all, they're doing that weird bubble city where like all the t- teams are going to play in Walt Disney World, which sounds like a COVID Petri, Petri dish waiting to happen. But regardless, they are erecting 17-foot LED screens around the arenas, and they're going to let fans virtually attend. So the players will see the fans. The players will feed off the energy of that noise. They're going to mic set up so the fans can be picked up in the arena and broadcast through the arena so the players can definitely hear them. They're going to mic set up so they can put the squeaky shoes and stuff on the feed. See, that makes more sense to me. And like, I, I can see why that would be. Yeah, and then the players so that, can well, that feed off the energy. Yeah, and that just seems like – like could you imagine You know, you're, it's like ESPN Classic in 30 years and you got like – you know the Lakers in 2012, or I don't even know who wins what year. Let's just pretend I know. Or like the the who's another team that does well in another year where they did well, and then it's just like now we're flashing back to 2020, and it's just like walls of screens of people in like an empty arena. Like it's just these things are gonna age so strangely. Like it's not gonna. I know I was saying like the internet's so different for um, you know, like kids now versus how we used to watch TV, but um, just imagine like the stories of. Let me show you this one crazy year where um, there were 300 people and hashtags written all over the arena. And then there's an app. You could press a button and it cheers in the arena and they can hear the cheering. That's another thing they're doing. There will be an app. So you can actually like hammer a button to make the cheering louder in the arena for the players while remote. Hmm. It's super weird to think about. And I know I'm going on a crazy tangent, but um, yeah, it's just like I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks, just watching how like all the different industries have evolved, like even Comic-Con. Even if you look at how like expos have kind of tried to fill the void, like I'd say Comic Con did a pretty decent job this year. It's not the same. Busy. 
What? Yeah, it felt busy. Felt like a, yeah. Yeah, because they did panels through YouTube, and they had like a hundred plus of them. They had all their exhibitors set up online sales. Granted, they had to do it themselves on their own sites, but nonetheless, they had like a rolling index. They had a show floor you could click around. Um, they had off-site, well, off-website events, I guess you could say, where like there are swag giveaways. I have a Lego comic book and a SpongeBob patch randomly coming to my house because they're just giving them away, and I'm like, well, Comic Con. But, like, they managed to capture a good chunk of it. Obviously not all of it. The being there in person is a whole different, much, much, much better vibe. But, like, it did feel like it was an event, which, you know, if you asked me two months ago how would they have done that, I don't know. It didn't seem like it would be possible, but they managed to do it. So it's a weird time we're in, but it has – it's gonna, it's definitely going to leave a legacy of odd, oddities. Yeah, that was my rant. <laughs> that was it. I just once you got once you were once we were comparing like how different it is for like what we're gonna tell our kids that made me be like oh yeah like this that's only the tip of the iceberg. Mm. Uh, very very tip. You were yeah. you were talking about the Thirty Rock reunion being yeah being a lot of Peacock. Did you did you actually check out Peacock? I have not yet checked out Peacock. Um, I do like that it's ad free in part. I mean not ad free free with ads the opposite of ad free in part uh i think that's smart but have, have Wait, you actually but hulu used it is paid with ads how does that work well peacock is what hulu was like five years ago if you think about it yeah hulu mm-hmm. used to have uh, ads and you could watch stuff for free and they found that overall it wasn't worthwhile to try and convert people from free to paid either they'd pay or they'd just stick with free because the idea was the free would be the like the lure the carrot on the stick to get them to pay uh, and peacock i think is trying the same thing because they're all the syndicated stuff, so the old stuff seems to be available free, and then the original content seems to be paid, if I understand it correctly, the dichotomy of it. Yeah, then if you want it ad-free, both, both those options ad-free, you, you can pay a little bit extra right. for that. Right. Uh, have you yeah, been I using used, it? I have. I have been using it on my PC, and I do use ad blockers. Sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, I used it to watch uh, a couple of Parks and Recreation episodes, and uh, the new Psych movie, Psych 2, Lassie Comes Home. How is that? So, it, it was. I I thought it was funny. Uh, I don't know if you are you a psych fan. I never actually finished the series, but I watched the first four or five years, basically up until I went to college. Like pretty, de- I was pretty dedicated to it for a long time. Yeah, right. the The first psych movie I think was is, is hilarious. I think this one was funny. I'll I'll just leave it at that. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I need yeah. to finish that up. I need to watch the movies and f- I think the last season still. They did a thing at UCSB where they actually showed up and like the cast was there. Like we won it, the campus won it. It's pretty cool. They had like pineapples, squishy pineapples. Okay, well, and makes sense since the the show takes place in Santa Barbara. Of course, yeah. Right. Uh, speaking of movies, Angel, our last topic at hand goes to you. Yeah, so I finally got around to watching John Wick, or I guess just the first one. I haven't seen part two or part three. And is there a part four coming out? Is that there is a there? part four? It is, and it comes out the same time as the matrix for same day which is weird because he stars in both keanu huh how does that work why would they split the audience i don't maybe it'll get delayed with covid but yeah well i think um i mean intentionally or not like i mean i i really enjoyed this movie i knew it was going to be over the top going in but i feel like if i didn't i probably would have disliked it a little bit um maybe because like because the movie's so over the top, it takes it so super seriously, which obviously, I guess, it seems like it's intentional. Um, I don't know, the movie is just, it, it's pretty funny, outside of, it, like, not really having that many jokes. It's just because 
is just kind of awkward. Like, a lot of things just feel awkward in that film. I mean, essentially, John Wick is put up on this really high pedestal before we even really see him do anything. That he's, like, the world's best assassin or something. Or, I guess, contract killer. And just the way, like, everyone talks about him or anytime they say his name, like, yeah, it's it just... It, it, people. It, it, yeah, it did, but it's just... It was just hilarious, like, every single time, like... Like, it just kind of, like, just made us laugh just because of how they delivered it. It was like, who would you miss with? John Wick. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, um, my, one of my favorite parts of that is, like, the the crime boss talks to a mechanic and the mechanic goes, I, or the, the crime boss over the phone, he's like, I heard that you hit my dog. And the mechanic goes, yes, I my did. My son. And why would, why would you, wait, what did I say? <laughs> his dog. Oh no, my bad. Yeah, he's he's like I I heard that you that you like punched my punched son. My son. And he's like he's like why would you do that? And he said, "Well, sir, he stole John Wick's car." And then the crime boss just goes, "Oh." And he hangs up the phone cuz he's like, "All right, well, we're screwed." <laughs> this oh, yeah. very like, much sounds and, like a movie and, 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 made by a guy that used to just only care about stunts, which I think is quite literally I mean, and, what and, it and is. And this is all before, like, we see him do anything, so, you know, like, it follows that classic, like, filmmaking trope of tell, don't show. Mm-hmm. But then they do, they definitely do a lot of show later. But, um, yeah, like, th- that, that was all pretty, fun. honestly, like, this movie, I mean, for whether intentional or not, like, it just gave me kind of like an axe cop kind of vibe. I don't, I don't <laughs> know if any of you guys have seen that huh. show, but... But it kind of felt like the plot was written by, like, a 10-year-old of, like, their ideal, like, badass. And it's just like, oh, and then he does this, and then he takes out all these people. Like, it's just, like, it's just sober the top end, like, action. It's just, like, pure, like, I mean, I, I guess an adulterate is not the word I want to use, but pure adrenaline, pure, like, not stop action. That's just, it's cool. It's, like... A per- it's like a perfect popcorn fl- popcorn flick. Like turn your mm-hmm. brain off and just watch it. But yeah, I mean, I guess outside of that, like because of that, like I very much enjoyed it. But every once in a while, where I did decide to like, you know, think about the movie, I it always like made me ask these questions. Like they wanted to kill John Wick, but there were some parts where the bad guys have him knocked out. I should add, and they just don't kill him for some reason obviously because the plot needs them to not be dead. Yeah. But like the guy that literally wants them dead has them knocked out for a while, waits for him to wake up. And then he just kind of talks to him and then he just kind of leaves the room. And obviously he gets away and escapes, but it's like the movie could have ended like two other points right there. And then there's also the whole, like he's meant to be this like badass, like, like do no wrong. And like, you know, it's like killed like a bunch of men with a pencil, something they say, but they don't, show you which i want to say they do in another movie yes it was the dark knight and it was the joker oh no i, I just feel like i've oh you meant I've in the john Wick. i thought you meant in general yeah no 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 in, <laughs> like, in john yeah, two or three like I, I feel like i've seen posts on the internet or something that implies that he actually does eventually fight with just a pencil but uh, I could do you want me to tell you um yeah i've never seen mm-hmm. the trilogy before mm, you guys no, start spoiling I... everything oh oh <laughs> i want to see it at some point now i remember if there is or not Okay, I'm not going to say it. I mean, you could say if he does it at one point. Just don't go into detail. Yes, I believe in the second movie, he does use a pencil to, to, to kill someone. Does he do it like the Joker in The Dark Knight? Kind of? Okay. action way. 
if I had to guess, instead of a more showman kind of way. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that one just kind of came out of nowhere. That was kind of like, whoa. In Dark Knight? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was just the joke but, being the joke. But, yeah, like, throughout this movie, um, he's friends with the Green Goblin, and... I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what? Do you mean... Yeah, he's uh, friends with uh, Norman Osborn. Uh, yeah, uh, like the the character or like the yeah. actor. Yeah, like the character, the Green Goblin. Okay, it's like a, it's a cross universe thing. I know? see, I see. Okay, MCU yeah, they both take place in New York. Hmm. Yeah, okay. so yeah, so the Green <laughs> Goblin who goes by Marcus in this universe for some reason, and never puts a suit on. Um, forgot his name. Anyway, I mean not not the the actor's name. Um, yeah, I, was, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Um, so William Defoe. William Defoe. William Defoe. Yeah, so William Defoe, like his name is Marcus, and he's like an old friend of John Wick's, is implied. And there are like, I think twice or three times in that film, where like John Wick is sleeping, and he's straight up about to get assassinated, but Marcus like saves him by alerting him that there's an assassin in his room by like shooting a sniper, just like pretty much off of his head, or just away from away from his head enough to not kill him, but just to alert him. Just so he doesn't get killed. And then later on, he pretty much does the same thing where he's pretty much about to die. But then he snipes someone in the head from far away. and He's very much the like deus ex machina of the, of the movie. Yeah. Hmm. So it kind of made me wonder, like, would John Wick have not have been this big legend if it wasn't for this Marcus? It's like this Marcus. It's, it, it almost made John well, Wick kind of seem like a mentor. false idol. I don't, I don't know. It, he was his mentor. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like he taught him everything he knew, but it also seems like... How many times has he been saving him? But I don't know. It, it was just like a minor thing, but it's like, well, I guess John Wick isn't as, like, I guess invincible as we thought he was, which I guess could have also been the point. But, you know, they also literally refer to him as the boogeyman in a lot of instances. So mm-hmm. he is the meant Baba to be Yaga. this, like, yeah, like this omnipotent, like, oh, you do not want to cross paths with him. But he's also very mortal, but he is extremely deadly, except when he's not. <laughs> like, right. he's hard to kill, except when we have a chance to kill him, we just won't. So, yeah. I, I said it before, I'll say again, this does very much sound like a movie a stunt coordinator made, which makes sense because I think it was. Right? Isn't it the stunt coordinator from The Matrix who directed this? Yeah, is that yeah, how this came so. to be? Maybe. So that, mean, that's probably why it is how it is. I mean, a lot of fast-paced action, a lot of cuts. I mean, it, it's it's very Hollywood. It's very... And it, it's cool. I mean, I, I'm, I've, be, I've grown to become a fan of Keanu Reeves, so... Like, we all I did have. a I feel like everybody has, I've, yeah. I've, I've, yeah. I've been enjoying his roles in this, but even then, I feel like this was maybe one of his more boring characters. I feel like he was more interesting in the ones where he, I don't know, I guess had more of a personality except just guy that shoots stuff. How about, but, how about um, Bill and Ted? Because he's pretty flat by design well, in Bill and Ted. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't seen that movie. I've, oh, okay. I've only seen a, a handful of Keanu movies at this point. That's why I'm just like starting to become a fan. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen Point Break... And I guess Matrix. Mm, I guess the first Matrix. How about most? How about Speed? The original Speed. Oh yeah, and I saw Speed. But Actually, he's pretty flat the... in a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Even in Speed, he's just kind of that the guy that's there. <laughs> it, 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 honestly, like it's just like when he's like trying to say his lines, and I don't know if it's supposed to be intentionally funny or not, but when he like his weird way of pronouncing things just makes it sound hilarious. That I guess makes him like kind of endearing sometimes, but yeah, I don't know. But I thought it was kind of interesting that right after we saw that movie, um, that was our movie for last week, we decided to, we just wanted something a lot lighter, like something not as intense. Because this was like, 
I mean, it was an action movie with a popcorn. It was intentionally funny, but it was still very much like drama, tears, like, oh, like there's a there's a funeral. And of course, it's in the rain. Like, you know, everything is very dark, very moody. Mm-hmm. And we wanted the opposite of that. And mm-hmm. we before ended up we, watching. Before we move on to, to your other movie, it's funny uh-huh. how you say that this movie, that John Wick is very over the top because after watching the second movie and the third movie, this one is is so grounded compared to those two. <laughs> oh man, you know I can what? only imagine. You know, honestly, the way Which I, I have... watch them when the time comes is all in one weekend. I just need it to ramp up so fast, so hard. Like I feel like it's the only way I watch them, right? Like you gotta just go all in. I mean, just I let really it hope reach crazy heights. I mean, I I have heard of that um, to some extent, and I I know it's not going to happen. But like at the end of the of the first movie he walks away with like a new dog and i hope that's like a scene where he's like surrounded by a bunch of bad guys and him and his dog like give each other a look and then they team up and like beat up everybody <laughs> at the same time but i'm sure maybe that doesn't happen maybe in a dream but i am i definitely am curious to see like where this goes because it does feel like the fast and the furious of running guns yeah. and i guess some martial arts but yeah and i've heard they I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Wait, have you seen all three, Kevin? Yeah, I've seen all three. I mean, would you say, like, it's, like, one of those, like, they get worth every time? Because like, I've heard that their quality either, you know, like, they're all still good, considered good movies. Like, and they're not, like, oh, the third one is where, where it becomes trash. I've heard they're lost worth watching, there, There's, there, oh, that they're not? No, I've heard that they're all worth watching. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, heart, which the, is good the, to hear. The third one is a little bit long. Is it's definitely a bit on the longer side, but John the John Wick. Oh, I hate that I'm about to say this, but the John Wick universe has <laughs> some crazy, crazy, some crazy lore attached to it. Especially the 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 second movie builds up builds up this uh, this this crazy universe. The, that, the uh, JWCU. The the what the JWCU? The JWCU. John right? Yeah, the cinematic. cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it absolutely does because apparently there is going to be a TV show. Wait, what? Huh. With Keanu? I doubt uh, that. No, it's it's going to be based around the the chain of hotels, the Continental. Mm. I, I think they, that's what it's called. It's called the Continental. Let me guess. So it's it's going to be on TNT alongside Snowpiercer because they just love turning movies into shows. Mm. Or USA, one Maybe. of the two. Maybe. But yeah, USA did it with The Purge a few years ago as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you're huh. right about that. Well, I guess the other movie, kind of like a, like a reset or just like a palate cleanser of just over-the-top drama, uh, we ended up watching Rush Hour. Surprisingly, I had never seen the first Rush Hour. I had only seen um, part two at nauseum, like growing up. Like we had the DVD and we would watch it almost on loop sometimes. Like just We just watched it so many times because we loved it. But I somehow never got around to watching the first one. And damn, I mean, I really liked it. I mean, honestly, because... Maybe it was because after just watching John Wick, but it really, like, brings to the forefront just how different, like, a lot of, like, Jackie Chan movies are in general versus just a lot of, like, mainstream action films. And, I mean, first, like, it's just, like, the action itself. Like, I mean, obviously, Rush Hour is more of a comedy, which is something that we were very much looking forward to. And it was still very funny. Like, I felt it still held up, even if a lot of the jokes are very of the times it's a surprisingly very like racy movie 
Um, like there's just a lot of like just racist offhand jokes. That, I mean, it's definitely of as, the as time. Is, yeah, as of the time as it is, it definitely does feel like yeah, that does kind of sound like people the way people talk to talk like that back then, which kind of makes you go like there was even like some very like appropriately timed like cop jokes that were just like oh wow it's like they were literally commenting on that today but um but yeah like just like the way like jackie fights versus the way like john wick go through a room like it's like night and day like i mean i just love that anytime like jackie chan is fighting someone like it's everything is very i mean you know he doesn't really use guns and when he does use a gun it's usually to disarm someone and as he's fighting them he's literally taking the gun apart and like throwing it to the side it's like very it's like almost like slapsticky but very grounded action which i just really like and it's always very comical i mean you do see him get hurt a lot but i don't know also like i didn't realize most if not all of the movie was chris tucker and jackie chan not getting along but oh, yeah I yeah mean, it was like a, a forced pairing in the premise in yeah the i mean it, i mean like nowadays like it's like a very cliche like movie but you know it's like a your typical like buddy cop scenario. Neither of them want to work with each other. They have like mm-hmm. opposite goals, and by the end they're best friends. And, like and obviously when it's part two, they were already like best buds. But yeah, just like <laughs> it's funny I said like that the action was like night and day because literally like every time you see Jackie fight, you're able to see every single little thing he does, and it's so and it like almost never cuts away during any of his action. But then when you're seeing John Wick fight, it's, like, super up close. There's a lot of cuts. Sometimes it's, like, in the dark or it's raining and in the dark. Kind of like in, like, Godzilla. So, <laughs> or it just kind of reminds me of, like, when I was watching, like, some combat scenes in, like, um, The Dark Knight. Um, just, like, a lot of... I don't know. It's like, it just makes the action... I don't know. I guess it just that just feels blockbustery. But I feel like I can't really tell what's going on sometimes. It's also of its era, in a way. Because, like... Not to cut you off. I just could say, like, like, Rush Hour was... Like, that was an era where movies just showed what happened while well, like blockbuster movies to your point later on dark Knight, and you know shaky cam became a thing and it was this idea of like you need to represent the chaos by making it like you don't know what's going on in the fight because it's so quick and moving so fast just like they don't know like it's just very different gender like decades of film yeah and yeah. i don't know if it's because i grew up with you know being able to see what's going on but i feel like i definitely still much prefer like i I very much like enjoyed myself during the action scenes of Rush Hour much more than during the action scenes of John Wick, because even though they were like very over the top and like very adrenaline and very high action, like most of them are just gunfights. And personally, like I think gunfights are extremely boring to watch, like especially like in movies. I mean, I guess it's only in movies or TV shows, because like I don't know, it, it's like nothing happens until like someone just gets shot, and it just kind of feels like. All right, it's like you're in a plot standstill until like the bullet makes contact, and I guess that even goes like for some like combat scenes, but at least like in like Rush Hour or some other Jackie Chan films that I've seen, it's like you don't really like the action itself or the fights themselves are choreographed are choreographed in a way that it's almost like you're hearing a bunch of jokes like back to back. There's like setups and punchlines, and literally actually, and Sorry. oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and 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 usually like i don't want to miss any, like anything that's happening because then it's like oh i miss like a funny moment or i miss a really cool trick that he did where because he's always using his environment and you want to see like how he got from that point to the other point mm-hmm. but i feel like most action movies nowadays like it doesn't really matter that like, you could like literally like 
leave as soon as like a gunfight starts and then come back and just know like oh he won but it doesn't really matter how or is this not as interesting but i don't know that could also be just me i mean there were some like some fights or like some moments in john wick that i thought were pretty cool um like but i felt for the most part it was still very i don't know maybe i've just seen too many of like this too many gunfights at this point or they're just i don't know it just feels like all right how long is this going to go? All right, let's get, get it going. And then, it, I, I guess, I don't know. Whenever he was doing more hand-to-hand combat, that was more interesting. But most of John Wick is just him running with a gun and shooting. One but, movie you may want to look into that kind of is a hybrid, but doesn't, if I remember correctly, does not have as much shaky cam and shows more actual like hand-to-hand combat while also having some modern style and gunplay, Atomic Blonde. I seem to remember that walking the line between the two pretty well. I think also the director of John Wick produced it, right, or something? No, directed. Oh, did he? I think so. Oh, so is this him trying more hand-to-hand combat instead of just gunplay, basically? Because I seem to remember... Now, granted, I should set the scene here. Um, I saw Tonic Blonde at Comic-Con one year, and it was uh, one of our friends, Gilbert, and I that went, and they had a lot... So the movie set in Russia heavily, and there was a good amount of free Svedka vodka floating around. So I might have a slightly skewed view of the movie, but from what I remember, I do remember it being a lot more like... You can actually make out the fight scenes a lot better, and there's a lot more like actual... like It was like, uh, like a fist-filled ballet on Like there's a lot more choreography involved and not just like gunplay, so... That might yeah, be something I mean, that kind of is what you're looking for, Angel. It's like an in-between maybe. Maybe, yeah. Because, I mean, it. it's like, yeah, like, it makes John Wick look badass. Uh, like, he goes into a room and he, like, headshots a bunch of people and, like, dodges a bunch of bullets and then kills some more people, like, almost instantly. But I found it way more entertaining where, like, a quick example was um, towards the end of Rush Hour, there's a scene where Jackie Chan is fighting off two dudes um, pretty much, like, with a giant urn that it has fallen down, but he doesn't want it to break because it's part of Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, punching them away on his left and right. Just, like, doing, like, crazy, like, like quick push-ups, like, to get off the ground, pushing the urn out of the way just fast enough to hit the guys away from him and then catching the urn again so it doesn't break. And then kind of doing that crazy balancing until he finally gets it balanced up. And then as he's walking away, the urn gets fired at him, just breaks. Mm-hmm. But still, like, you know, it's just kind of stuff like that where one felt, like, just more entertaining and one is just, like, also because, you know, he does his own stunts and a lot of these things that he does are just impressive knowing that he did them, but I guess watching a movie is never as impressive just seeing someone, you know, just I think Keanu... a bunch of headshots. I, I, and I do know that he did have a lot of training. I do know, yeah. like, I've seen the videos of him actually going to a shooting range and hitting all those marks. So I know he put a lot of work into that. And I mean, it is cool. Like, I still, like, I can appreciate that, but I feel it doesn't translate to something that I find as impressive in film as I would seeing physical feats like right. Jackie Chan would do or some things that I know Keanu also did like where people they're like running and vaulting over things like I feel that's more present than just firing the gun I don't know I think I've just been desensitized but I feel like just gunplay unless it's done in a very creative and mm-hmm. new way then it's just bam 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 until someone gets shot I don't know also maybe, did- more, maybe more ricocheting bullets but even then I don't know I don't know what they can do to get me interested in that Duels are like the only time that I feel like it's ever interesting just because it's decided on that one first kill and it's just more of like, oh my god, who's going to do it first? That's like the most mystery you get. I feel like plot armor sometimes evades that, but I don't know. 
This also, is. small uh, disclaimer to give you an idea of how off base I may be about Atomic Blonde from what I remember. I got the vodka wrong. It's Stoli, not Svetka, which makes sense because Stoli is a higher quality one. But um, yeah, so maybe don't trust me on that because I already screwed up the vodka part of it. So <laughs> that was why I was drinking all night. So <laughs> just, just, just saying, it might be a little off base. <laughs> so I don't know where I guess you guys send in those kind of movies, but yeah, I think I, yeah, I guess this is my, am my, my often. I am often, for better or worse, big on style. I wouldn't say style over substance, but if something like has a cool style to it and has, I think it goes back to I've said this on the show before. Like it goes back to my love of like spectacle and everything. Like I think if it has a cool style, I would take that over like just watching some people, like watching Jackie Chan do his thing, which is impressive in its own right. But I, generally speaking, I I don't want to say I'm more styled than substance because that makes me sound shallow. But yeah, I kind of am. <laughs> I think. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, so you... I'm sorry, what? Are you more like... Sti- what, what, what about me? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm very much style over... over okay, stuff. yeah. So so both of us can be shallow together. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But what were you going to say, Angel, before I ask Kevin? Oh, no, no, that, that's pretty much it. Mm. So I guess like if... I mean, yeah, I mean, again, and John Wick definitely does have a lot of style. Like there are a lot of the action scenes where you can't see what's going on, but still has cool music and lighting throughout all of it that makes it look like i'm watching like a cool music video but i mean i, I just find that boring i mean to your, to your point about cool music video i love tron legacy and that thing had no substance of talk to talk about whatsoever but it was an awesome two-hour music video i'm very excited they're supposedly doing a third one now but it doesn't really have a meat on the bone or even like if you tie it into you know our regular podcast last a week ago if you haven't got if you guys haven't heard it, i gave impressions of liberated a very stylistic game that is full of a bunch of tropes of dystopian future. So substance-wise, maybe not there, but style-wise, it's there in spades, and I love it for that. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. The more I think about it, the more I'm coming to grips with me being style over substance. Makes sense. Explains a lot. It does, right? Yeah, I'm just a shallow, boring person. <laughs> boring person. But at least yeah, for, like, action. At least for action. I mean, don't get me wrong, I guess. Style is still cool, but one day maybe I'll find my... A good mix of style and substance, or just mm. although, a bunch although, of although, or or, or, although or debated, uh, and the although raid. debatably, I would say like, I mean, I guess I enjoy like I would consider I guess some of the things that Jackie Chan does having its own kind of style, but that's also, I mean, also, but I know what you mean when you say style, yeah, though. like like a yeah. slickness. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's more of a visual presentation, more so than what's if you on. haven't seen the raid. That's another one, maybe a better example of Talk Blonde. The raid, uh, they did two of them i think but the first one i haven't seen the second but the first one is a lot of like kind of hand like there's gunplay there's a lot of hand-to-hand it's a lot of like intense fight scenes but it's done in kind of a more modern bent without it being like you still see what's going on it basically it's the same plot as dread (laughs) like literally kevin Kevin mentioning dread um i actually did enjoy that movie i think that one was one where like i I don't know what it was about the gunplay or like what they did but i guess the guns that were way more powerful they were switching between a lot of different types of bullets that don't really exist in real life i felt that made it way more interesting but yeah that one i, I really enjoyed that movie yeah no but both um both they're literally like the same exact movie just one's in the future and one's modern times uh 
And then, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I'm not funny. like, and, and, and I hope it did. Is like leagues better than the raid one though? Is it? <laughs> I'm gonna have to check yeah. it out. I I saw the raid one. I never would have en- ended up seeing. I it wasn't even on my radar. But Mike Shinoda of Lincoln Park did the soundtrack. I knew get... that's why you were gonna watch the movie. I well, knew no, 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 no. It wasn't just because he did the soundtrack. He did a screening where he did a Q and A about the soundtrack. So I went to that through Lincoln Park's fan yeah, club. Still Lincoln Park related. That's yeah. The, yeah, yeah, that's the Lincoln Park. No, I know, but that's how I ended up going to see it but i was really happy i saw it afterwards actually hey, you know a, what i actually have a signed copy of the soundtrack what, whatever it takes somewhere. to get people to watch it that's great yeah but in general um, i mean yeah because yeah, like because yeah. I, I know like just kind of bringing back that that one anime i talked about a while ago your lion april mm-hmm. um that got me into listening to a lot of like um chopin and some beethoven stuff and like some other classical stuff but in particular some ballads that i just really really love and sometimes I'll go to YouTube and I'll watch, like, the concert pianist play those versions. Not, like, the anime version. I mean, they're just, like, musical pieces that existed for years. And when I go to the comments, I'll see, like, a lot of people, half of them will be like, oh, man, like, I only discovered this because of your Lion April, which is, like, more than half of them. And then the other, and then there's, like, another third that are like, oh, I hate that people are only here because an anime showed it to them. But then there's other people that are more, like, well... Isn't it great that an anime of all things like got them to appreciate this kind of music and got them exploring more of it? So, well, yeah, it's one of those know. things that like if you like something yeah, the, and the thing you like, yeah, it shouldn't matter how you get there. Yeah, like there. if you like something and you trust the opinion and taste of something you like, be it you know like Mike Shinoda doing soundtrack to get me into the raid, or like another kind of other example would be like Kanye working with Takashi Murakami, the artist, and now I have like, and I got really into his stuff, and I actually just got a little Murakami flower plush thing that's sitting right next to me the other day like all that like i wouldn't have cared about Murakami if it wasn't kanye that put had him do the cover for graduation in like 2011 no 2006 7 so you know it, yeah. it's it's the things you like that expose you to other things you like often it's either your friends or it's the like sort of like tastemakers if you will that you are already into that then lead you to other things like even in comments where it's like oh this commercial brought me here you know like i said oh i heard this song in an xbox sizzle reel it's just like well, that's cool. Like, I never would have discovered that song if it wasn't for the Xbox sizzle reel I happened to have in the background while working or whatever it may be, you know. So I I would say finding it through things you already enjoy is actually – even if it is, oh, haha, let I me mean, park. I that's literally yeah. Jason – like – But, I mean, how else do you expand your Jason horizon? Jason Incarnate. Yeah, it's like how else do you expand your horizon? I mean, the only reason he even watches like, anything animated is because it's usually some actor that he's a fan of involved. That's Otherwise, just... he wouldn't give – Two turns about nope, animation. nope. You are now exaggerating. There's uh, actually are Only you a little bit. Oh Only man, are you? Bojack was Will Arnett. Rick and Morty was Dan Harmon. Oh my god, I'm having an epiphany. Yes. The only reason you watched Spider was just because um your freaking Jump Street people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. Not the Jump Street guys. They do a bunch of stuff. They do Lego Movie. They do Jump Street. They do Lance Man well, yeah. on Earth. Yeah. Uh... No, I would have seen Spider Verse anyway. It looked visually very cool, but it definitely turned me on to it when the project was first announced. Before <laughs> no, no, they yeah. had any it, it, images, yeah. I, I, I was like ninety. You it was going to be good. I would say ninety-nine like, percent ah. of the time it's because of that. The other time is because I'll tell you to check something out. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm saying. It's either like things you like that yeah. lead you to other things, or people you know whose tastes you trust that lead you to other things. Lead you to other things, like which you know, and yeah, and, and literally how why some people works. would be upset. Like in my case, I'd probably be like, "Man, I wish one day Jason would want to watch an animated film just because." Like he just finds the plot itself, not because of any other actor. But I mean, you're, as long okay, as you watch you're, it, you're that's embellishing cool. now. There's for sure stuff I've watched just because it looked interesting. No, the, the, the only all ones the Pixar think of are just like, yeah. But Disney's kind of in a league of its own, though. But yeah, yeah, I would say like those are like the only ones I could think of that you straight up watch because of the because you just like the previous films and you just want to check out what they do. 
But I mean, but, that's I mean, like you... in general. But yeah, I'm sure there's some. <laughs> no, I know, I know. There, there has to be, but it's hard to think of. Well, <laughs> actually, a good example: Ex Machina. I heard good things about. Knew nothing about the guy, Alex Garland. Then Annihilation came out, and I saw that, and I really liked that. And then knowing his past past work is what got me to watch Devs on FX. Which I feel like will work better as a movie, but had some really interesting ideas and concepts. And Nick Offerman was in it, and that was cool. But it wasn't Nick Offerman that got me to watch it, even though I loved Parks. It was randomly seeing Ex Machina based on word of mouth, and then seeing Annihilation based on liking Ex Machina that then led me to devs. So, like, you start somewhere with everything, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You do, you do. Yeah. Or, like, Mr. Robot was just – there's one that was just a premise with no – like, no one – I don't care about Christian Slayer. I didn't know who Sam Esmail was. Rami Malek wasn't anyone yet. But, like, the premise seemed cool. So, you know, there are still bursts of it every so often. But, yeah, it's a lot of – it's, like, self-referrals almost for a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I think that'll do it for this episode of Quarantine Chronicles, episode six, like I said, at the top of the mm-hmm. show. Uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. We are Ren and Nintendo. Go ahead and follow us on your favorite podcasting app, Spotify, Stitcher. I'm forgetting them. Jason. Apple. Google. Pandora. Do you want to say YouTube or should I say YouTube? No, you can say YouTube. YouTube. Our YouTube is randomnintendo.com. Why is it randomnintendo.com? Because Random Nintendo was apparently taken by some dude who posted like one video of Yoshi dancing one time or something. Is there no way to like... (laughs) Commandeer it? We're not really big enough to do that. I could try, but I mean... I could try. I know you can do that if if it's a dedicated... Yeah, okay. Have the person sell it to you. That's your project, yeah. Uh, you can follow us individually on our Twitter accounts. I am KVN Gomi. Jason is JSR7. Angel is at W-E-I-R-O underscore O, right? Yep, yep. I, I, I've always got to make a mental note of that. I totally forgot at the top of the episode to say uh, that uh, <laughs> you can... Uh, you can... Um, What's the word? The, the topics. Time uh, I'm time sorry. Stamps. It's uh, the time. time it's so hot in my room. I turned off the AC, and now I'm just, I'm just in a puddle of my own filth. There, we have we have been through that in the pre in the pre Kevin days of the podcast. There were times that I had to. We recorded at Angels. I went back to take a shower at my house, which is a 20 mile drive, and then came straight back because we had other plans. But I just could not. It was just too hot. So I feel yeah, you. I feel you. I need, I need to take a shower <laughs> after this. And uh, I think with that, Jason, go ahead and. Oh, I have it. Uh, watch Mildred and Schwartz. It's, it'll help our society. It'll help me. It'll help you. And I, I just really want more of them. Thanks.